Welcome everyone to Papa Spice's Hot Takes with Hans and Harry. How is everybody out there in internet land doing? We hope you are doing well. Uh, sorry, the episode is delayed a little bit. Uh, we had a busy, busy uh, schedule uh, for life events uh, or schedule, as it's called in the U.S. Um, Hans, how you doing tonight, pal? I'm good. I'm the prime reason, I think, for the schedule, the the, the busy schedule. So I uh, I apologize to all our loyal listeners, but we are back. Um, so it's good to be recording. And I, I every week I always say it feels like forever since we've been recording, but I honestly feel like we had just recorded and it's been longer than our news usual time. So I don't know. Time's all relative. So what's it matter? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> weird because we see each other almost daily we definitely talk to each other daily uh yeah we do you know through work or or group text or whatever and um even though (laughs) many of those conversations revolve around movies and pop culture and stuff um i still miss when when we're off by like a week or two and with our recording schedule and uh we don't have this like formal sit down it uh you know it um it hurts me a little bit inside because uh, i enjoy this time with you guys well, uh, we're back yeah exactly so now that i bared my soul harry how are you doing <laughs> uh you know life uh somehow finds a way um to get into the way of potting so um yeah i mean greg you really made me emotional here i don't know if i want to cry or you know jump off um you know come back uh I miss I miss you guys as far as as doing this, uh, but you know we got some fun things to talk about, and um, yeah, it's just such a good time when I hang out and talk with you guys. I, I really really like it. Beautiful. Uh, it's funny, you know you you quote um, Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, and I like to uh, peruse Reddit on occasion and. I was reading a thread yesterday. I almost sent it to you guys because it was really entertaining. Thanks uh, for not. About, um, yeah, well, sorry. Um, it was about uh, pleasant um, celebrity interactions uh, with just, you know, random people. And uh, yeah. one guy had an anecdote of um, being at a party that Jeff Goldblum was at. And... Um, Jeff asked the guy what his name was and the guy told him and Jeff Goldblum's response was, ah, uh, yes, of course you are. (laughs) Wow. That's just such a very perfectly Goldblum-esque thing to say. (laughs) So I want, I want to, I want to live his life. He's, he's got it all, all taken care of over there. That Jeff Goldblum. Oh yeah. Right on brother. Um, Did you guys ever watch any of his show on Disney plus? I tried to. I, I did. And it's not that I didn't like it, but I just wasn't as interested as I thought it would be. Um Goldblum I could take in in weird little spurts. Like I can't I can't watch a show with him, like on like binge watch a show where he's just doing his like shtick. Like I forget Goldblum exists. And then like I like he was he wasn't around for a while, like at least in my world, I didn't see him at much. And then he did Thor Ragnarok and he was just he was he doesn't play a character in most of his movies, like outside of like Jurassic Park. He's Jeff Goldblum in pretty much everything, and at least recently. So it's like it, it just I, I I can only take him in little bits. Um, I I forget what the first episode was about, but I watched. I remember watching it. The second one, I think I was kind of just like, all right, I 
if I'm going to watch this, I got to do it like weekly, bi-weekly. Like I can't do it all at once. Yeah. I, um, I, I gave it a shot. Uh, I watched a couple episodes and I enjoyed what I saw, but there, there wasn't anything that was making me, you know, say, Oh, I, I have to see the next episode. So I just kind of fell off it, but you do have an in- interesting observation. I think, um, I agree with you where it's like, I, I guess maybe it was Thor Ragnarok, but everybody like after that movie, it seems like he became more aware of his persona and like leaned into that with roles. Uh, Cause mm. you know, like if you look at older stuff with him, whether it's, you know, independence day or the fly or whatever, Jurassic park, he seems to be legitimately playing characters. Um, but now it's more like, you know, Goldblum, but dialed up to 50, you know? So. Yeah. He's, he's just too weird for my, like he's, he's, he's okay. But it just like, there's sometimes when he does things, I'm just like, Oh my God, like you're a little too much, <laughs> oh, dude. Well, I'm here for it, baby. <laughs> <Give me laughs> um, well, that was a nice little tangent that was not in our notes whatsoever. <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting to talk Jeff Goldblum today, Jeff. in all honesty. Um, but what we do have in our notes, we're going to return with our second ever news segment. That's our super in the news produced intro music. Yeah, I I can promise that um, this is not going to take an hour like we originally planned last time. Uh, where it was going to take like ten minutes. Enjoy us well, talking we'll about see, my uh, friend. the topic. We'll see. All right, we'll see. I, I yeah, I mean, it, it will, it's eight fifty five now, so start the timer. Um, yeah, so a couple things, not not huge things that came out, but um, I mean, one big thing that came out today was the uh, Dune Two trailer, Part Two. I'm sorry, not Dune Two, Part Two. Um, I get it right. Yes, which part I know two, we are a Dune experience. Oh, we are all very, very excited about. I believe we did an episode dedicated, at least not, I don't know if it was just to Dune, but we did talk Dune, the new one, and we did an episode yeah. on the 1985 Dune, which, uh, you know, we, we've dedicated some time to to the, the land of the sand or whatever, the planet, whatever it's called. I don't know. Arrakis. Not, Arrakis. Not to blow up your spot, but that was the same episode. My God. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I didn't uh, know. You know what? I'm sorry. I do apologize. <laughs> I thought the, the Dune, archives, Dune and Dune. I thought Dune, I thought Dune, the 1985 one was a never have I ever one. And that's no. why. Okay. All right. God, no. <laughs> well, um, there we never go. Never will so we, I ever revisit that. Yeah. Um, so that dropped today. So uh, if you have not seen it, pause now uh, to save yourself two and a half, like about two and a half minutes, which what I did before this podcast while Harry and Greg were talking and uh, and watch it. Uh, I, I'm excited for it. I, I know you guys are. Um, we're, we're big dude heads. Um, you know, Villanueva is, is it looks like he's going to have another one. Knock it out of the park with this. Uh, we got some new new people showing up for this. Um, Austin Butler is i'm not even gonna pronounce this guy's name because i forget it of whatever his character was but he played this it looks like he's played the stink oh, character Harkins? yeah oh, yeah the stink. Say, you nailed it it's pronounced butler <laughs> shut <Yeah>. up <laughs> um <laughs> and i i if i did not know this harry you would know this i'm not entirely sure if i saw her in trailer if i was just imagining percent you did 100 percent. florence Pugh isn't is in this movie Let's yes um, I, I remember as I saw her, I'm like, that's right. She is cast in this movie. I forget who she's playing, but um, I the think princess. she's playing like the em- the princess or empress or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, what, what are your thoughts on that? You guys, you guys amped for it? That soundtrack's going to, is going to slap. I cannot wait for it. 
Eddie what? Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> oh, you want me to take it? Oh, okay. Sure. All right. I, I mean, listen, Leia Seydoux's in it. Um, you know, the boy, the boy Denny, he just doesn't miss. I mean, the, the even this trailer has incredible cin- cinematography. Um, I, I don't think I'm excited for anything else this year other than this movie. Um, uh, I mean, listen, obviously the Oppenheimer double feature, we've talked about it. That, that is up there. Uh, but I don't know, man, come on. No, this, 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 these, this jumped it, man. I mean, this, have you, did you watch this trailer? Did you watch it? It's absolutely incredible. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. I see all these fantastic actors. Um, and just that six score, the is back and it, it's just, listen, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back to Arrakis. I'm buying my ticket. I'm going to go into cryo chamber sleep until November 3rd. I'll see you guys then. And you know, I'm not a trailer guy and this trailer knocked out of the park. I can't wait to watch it in IMAX or Dolby. Uh, super excited. Uh, I'm not going to watch any more trailers, uh, but yeah, 10 out of 10. Can't wait to watch. Um, I wasn't quite as excited as Harry. What a loser. What a loser. <laughs> I did enjoy it. Uh, well, I was also watching under not the best circumstances. So, you know, I, I explained that there were cell phone footage distractions. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, no, I, um, I was unaware that Florence Pugh was in this movie also. And Unreal. I immediately perked up when I saw her, I'm like, Oh, Queen Florence is here. Um, so very happy about that. I mean, I, look, the first movie was fantastic. And here we are, part two. We've got another stacked cast. Looks like even more action around this time. Um, I'm into it, you know, like give it to me. So I'm Sick. I'm I'm happy. I'm excited. Not gonna watch any other trailers for this, also, because I don't want to get too much given away. Yeah. Right. Oh, and cool. I, the more Harkonnens, the better, dude. Like, I, yeah. I love their design, through. so bring them on, man. Give Batista a bigger role and and Butler. And uh, I think, is Christopher Walken playing one? I know he's in the movie, but. I saw him. I saw him on the cast list as they were, like, dropping at the end of the trailer. And I was I didn't know who. I don't know who he's playing, though. Doesn't yeah. matter. Young, it's going to be great. Young up-and-comer Christopher Walken. making Yeah. yeah. He's another one. Debut. He's another <laughs> one. I'm glad yeah, I can bring the energy is. for this trailer and you guys can be just so <laughs> calm about it. And I will be standing there on November Dude, 2nd I, or 3rd. Denny can make literally a movie about like how the, the invention of, miss. Of, of Rice-A-Roni came about. And I'd still be there opening night and he'd, he'd kill it. He don't miss. Ben, the story of Uncle Ben. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the San Francisco treat. That's what they should call his next movie is about Rice-A-Roni. Oh. Um. Next in news, uh, it came out, I believe, late last week was Pedro Pascal joining the sequel to Gladiator 2. Uh, I think as of right now, uh, depending on what you want to believe, um, there's two plots out there. One's realistic. The other's not. Uh, there's like a, 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 I don't know if you guys have heard this, the plot for Gladiator 2 involved Maximus going through time and basically showing up in modern what? day where he, yeah, it's kind of like imagine Wolverine, except that he's not a mutant. But he like time travels through like different wars. This is not happening. Um, yeah, I think they the can't. They shot one, this right? one. That's the realistic one. Yes. <laughs> um, Hate it here. Uh, but I believe it follows the story of um, Lucius and uh, Connie Nielsen, who's coming back. Lucilla, Lucia, not sure, but um, it's it's Lucilla. Uh, yep. But yeah, so Pedro Pascal again showing up and everything. He's gonna be. We're gonna be talking about him in a little bit on a little show he was in, but. 
Dude's killing it. Uh, but he also joins Denzel Washington. Barry Keegan is rumored to be in it. He's not confirmed. And Joseph Quinn, who is from um, recent Stranger Things season four fame. Um, you just skating yeah. over Paul Mescal, the the hottest the hottest guy in the on the planet right now. I apologize. He is playing Lucius, so uh, yeah, a grown up Lucius. Uh, I don't know anything with Paul Mas- Paul Mescal, so I'll have to double check. Nah, I'm not familiar gotta, with gotta, his work, dude. Why wouldn't you just recast Spencer Treat Clark? That's who played him in the original. He's still acting. He was just in Mr. Glass, right? Or Glass. Uh, I mean, that's sure. right. He was. He yeah. was. Yeah. Um, I did. I forgot all about him. It's I forgot it was Paul the same Mescal. kid. Get out of here. Listen, yeah. I, uh, I it's confession time. Um, I couldn't tell you one single iota of anything from Gladiator. Couldn't tell you Get anything out. about Get it. Get out. Quit this, couldn't quit tell this you podcast. anything about it. Um, I Folks, don't remember it. I don't know it. if you know this. Harry doesn't like movies. Yeah, I don't remember watching it. I have no clue what the story was about. Uh, I know Joaquin Phoenix and Russell Crowe were in it. Um, couldn't tell you if it was good. Couldn't tell you if I liked it. Uh, got no idea. Um, so Sir. really, really excited to revisit this before uh, the sequel, I guess, comes out. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously, Adam Pedro, he, he's a he's a hot name right now, just like uh, our my boy, Paul Mescal. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, couldn't tell you. Sorry. All right, just I, like a quick recap of the events of Gladiator One. Uh, Maximus teams up with the Kong kingdom and takes oh, okay. on. Yeah. He takes on, uh, I've read otherwise but... on rainbow road. So mm, just, mm. he just took the words right out of my mouth. What yeah. best way to describe it, dude. I don't know if that was I, it, but as I gladi, I'm sorry. Uh, gladiator could probably be Ridley Scott's best top three movies. So you need to watch it. It's phenomenal. Well, I no, have it, seen it's it. It's definitely uh, in his top three movies. It and might ta- be his best movie. I all right. Well, that that's another day. We'll do a Ridley Scott podcast. But I would say I would say top uh, top two. We'll do we'll do top two. But Greg, what are your that's thoughts? Fair. Uh, yeah, dude, I love the Pascalissance, and um, I'm here for it. And Pedro, all the way, dude. Vote for Pedro. Uh. Let's get it. Different, um, different I'm happy though. he's in this. I I have been staunchly opposed to a Gladiator sequel because I love the movie so much. And like, look, I don't need to continue on. It's a one and done. But um, but that said, now that details are starting to come out and we're seeing the level of talent in this, I guess I'll be in the theater for it. So I was I was more like I was more deterred when they started saying about what the original plot was i guess when ridley scott had written it and this was a couple years ago but when they kind of it's one of those things where i'm glad they're continuing the story uh there's there is a story to tell but um you know as long as like maximus didn't survive and it like he came back some weird goofy way i'm fine with it if if i had to guess uh spoiler that story that's well no that that you know fake plot that you said is one of two things either it's fan fiction straight up or it's some random pitch that never even made it past the boardroom well, i don't you know not to get like too deep into it into the weeds with this but like i remember um 
I want to say it was around the time Rambo was coming out, which was the the fifth one in the the franchise, or it might have been right after. They were talking Rambo about possible... was was Rambo the fourth one. Then wasn't the fifth one? Oh yeah, yeah. Last no, blood, you're right. last blood. You're yeah. right. Yeah, Rambo. So Rambo the fourth one, because of the success of that, they're like, hey, let's let's do another. And then rumors started floating around, legit rumors that it was going to be Rambo versus space aliens, bro. I don't buy that for a second. So same deal. It's, you know, same deal as this, this fake gladiator thing. Either it was some zany pitch that like was never going to happen anyway, or it's a fan fiction thing that took off on the internet. No, I think, I think Ridley Scott pitched it and they were like, "Uh, what? Like, no, we're not going to do that. That that Mm. does not sound good. I, I'm pretty sure, but we'll talk about we'll 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 I'll follow up on that and, and sure. see if that's yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we'll right, 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 Ridley, and, and let us know. Tweet at him. Let us know what he says. <laughs> Ridley, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and then the last story that we do have is um, not, again recently announced. I'm excited for this. This is big for me, and I want to include it. Um, after 18 years, we're getting a sequel to probably one of the best comedies of the 2000s era, Dodgeball, an underdog story with Vince Vaughn and um, Ben Stiller. Uh, I, for one, am very happy about this. Uh, I, I think the original has a lot of good to it, and and it's I kind of came out of nowhere. I remember when it came out. I don't think it was going to be as big as uh, people expected as big as to be as big as it was. And it was it. It actually revived the sport of dodgeball, which I guess is not professional. But you know, I, all three of us played on a dodgeball team at one point, and it, it yeah, kind of yeah, came yeah. back for uh, for a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. Now that I think the one thing is Vince Vaughn had said that he's coming back, or he's the, the one working on it, but Ben Stiller may not. Uh, I'm fine with that. Ben Stiller was funny in it, but Ben Stiller's another one where he does his comedies, and he's sometimes he's just over the top. It's a little too much for me. But, you know, bring back Vince Vaughn, Jason Bateman, bring back everyone. So, what about, uh, you know, I, I, what about you? You guys, were you dodgeball fans? Yeah, so I, I loved dodgeball and the 5Ds and all of that. Um, RIP, uh, uh, Rip Torn. Um, but I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm very, very skeptical not kind of i'm definitely skeptical about this because as much as i would like to revisit those characters those 2000s um frat pack comedies are definitely like of a time and you've also got a track record of like comedies having sequels like years later and not really doing so hot so um i don't know i just what was the uh, uh yeah, what was the last know. what was the last good comedy sequel? Dude, I, I can't well, even tell you. It's rare. That that that, that yeah. awkward silence does not, <laughs> does not. I, just, I mean as you guys were talking Father of the as, Bride part two. Yeah. As as Chris was talking, I was like, wait, what was the last great comedy sequel? And I, I guess your mileage may vary, and I'm sure I feel like comedy to me is very niche. And niche. Uh, you know what? Um, Actually, I do have an answer for that. Oh, okay, good. Got it. Yeah, Borat two. And I would even say whether or not you consider it a sequel or just like in the same kind of universe ish, I would say the like twenty twenty years ago. It was during it was during COVID. Oh, that wasn't. Um, I would say that or the world's end. I don't know if you consider that a sequel though, or just more like a a sequel. That's not a sequel. 
Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a <laughs> sorry. Movie. Catch us next yeah. episode where we define movie terms. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a sequel, but it's like it's more like a religious sequel. It's I think, of a to universe, you say, but yeah. A sequel? yeah, religious what does sequel. That even mean? I don't know. I've heard it once. <laughs> so, well, but yeah, that right, was so, yeah, yeah. So, I, so one out of what you know, uh, a lot, right? Yeah, I'm not. I I listen. Uh, I just hope it doesn't get the the Netflix type humor. We're rebooting this type treatment of subpar jokes. Uh, you know, filmed in a warehouse and you know CGI everywhere. So let's you know if we're gonna do it, let's do it right. So um, I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make a. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like the only thing I will say is like I don't think Ben Stiller would come back and do something if it didn't. Uh have chops for it um i I trust his judgment um but you know i don't know vince vaughn hasn't been a lot lately so i don't know if he's doing it for the check or what so we'll see let's say my my man ben stiller needs to work on severance too writing it but you know oh that was i guess a big news thing is there's you know a a writer strike strike that we completely missed that but skip that over that one so yeah uh there everyone listening that's the that's the fourth news story it's a writer strike and uh all your stuff's gonna get delayed so uh, if, if whatever you like, sorry, join us, join us in a year when we touch base on uh, shows and movies that were affected by it and how bad they are. Yeah. Well, we're you waiting for remember s- all that great content that came out during the yeah. last writer's strike. Yeah. Uh, they didn't learn. They didn't learn anything from lost season three or um, <laughs> hero season two. Mm. So, yeah. So, oh, yeah. And listen to our severance podcast in 2026 when it finally gets released and it's <laughs> low quality. All right, All right, news is done. News is done. Good work to our. And that's been Henry reporter. on the beach. <laughs> yes. Uh, walk street, walk street, read all. I need that. like a gavel. Uh, I'm gonna get a gavel whenever I'm done news. I just uh, is that great. a thing? Do newsmen use gavels? I'm pretty yeah. sure this one does. This one does. <laughs> okay. Welcome to a uh, uh, handwriting I'm, court. Uh, here's the news. I'm the judge of the news. <laughs> And ready justice <laughs> served up. Um, so, uh, yeah, before we move on to our main topic, um, Harry and I actually got to catch a couple movies over the last few weeks and specifically some horror movies, which I know yeah, Greg's favorite, favorite, my least favorite. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I definitely I loves me a good horror. What movie, science fiction? Sure. Um. No, I mean, if I had to choose, I'd say probably fantasy, drama. drama? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. See, you don't, I don't, you don't see. But here's the thing with you with drama. I feel like whenever there is drama, you're out on it, and you're like, nah, a little too, a little too negative for me. So that's why I don't know. Really? I don't think yeah. so. All right. Well, I know you better than you, so. Dude, the whale was my top movie last year. That's a shame. <laughs> Should have saw more movies. It's not. <laughs> Shut up. All right. So anyway, um, we caught two of the recent horror movies that are out in theaters now. So go check them out. But uh, first one was The Pope's Exorcist. Yeah, well, I guess yeah, on. Wait, wait until uh, yeah. our reviews here. Um, so first one was The Pope's Exorcist starring uh, Russell Crowe. Um, you know, just some general thoughts on this. I thought uh, Russell Crowe in the lead role as Father uh, Gabriel Amort. Uh, yeah, I thought he was 100%. really good. He was, um, 
you know, he he kind of leaned into the role and had some fun with it, uh, which was unexpected. I thought it was just gonna, he was just going to be kind of this uptight, holier than thou character, uh, very staunch. But uh, it was not that, you know, this guy had some personality, uh, at least the way that Crow portrayed him. So I really liked that. And it definitely helped make the movie um, entertaining. Uh, I think that there were some generally or um, genuinely surprising moments and uh, there were some gross out moments. I'm a pretty jaded horror fan. So if there is stuff that will make me exclaim or kind of cringe, hold uh, my hand maybe during the movie, love it. Yeah, absolutely love that. Like uh, I, I've kind of seen it all at this point. So when you give me stuff like that, I really appreciate it. And there were a couple moments like that in this. Um, speaking of which, the makeup effects absolutely tremendous. Horror movies never get any love at the Oscars. And look, I'm not even saying this should be an oscar nominee but the makeup Looked effects good. were <laughs> what's that Looked good yeah absolutely but this this was definitely like a a, a top notch effort from them so if the oscars so deign to uh to nominate this movie um i would not wow. cry it like i i think that this would be worthy um the makeup stuff was tremendous score was great set the mood perfectly uh surprisingly the cinematography and lighting were really good in this as well yeah. um and lighting is something that i don't generally take notice of but um when you're in some beautiful locations or confined spaces like in the, the crypts uh, in this, um, then I tend to take notice and it's like, okay, do the light sources make sense? Can I see everything, but it's appropriately lit. And uh, sure enough, that was a thing that stood out in this movie. So um, the one knock, well, the two knocks I have against this film were the casting of the possessed little boy. Um, this kid, already looked evil and uh his his acting wasn't great so why would i be against casting a kid that turns evil who already looks evil uh well because you want to see that innocence corrupted and as soon as you see this kid on screen you're right away you know hey this is the kid that's getting it yeah you know he, he looks I, like he needs an exorcism even before he gets possessed exactly and I, you know i hadn't watched any trailers for this i just you know saw the title and read a synopsis and was like, Hey, let me check that out. But, uh, but yeah, the, it's, it's kind of a dead giveaway when you see a kid who's already giving off evil vibes and yeah. sure enough, he gets possessed. Uh, and the only other knock I had was, um, and this is kind of strange, but this movie is based on a real person. Um, now within that, I understand that there's creative license to kind of shift things around or fictionalize uh, or dramatize to kind of amp up the excitement. But it's very strange to me that, you know, this was a real guy that was going around and, you know, performing exorcisms, whether they yeah. were valid or not, he was really doing that. Um, and they, they very, lean into like the the supernatural aspect of this as well as changing history and it's like all right if you created a brand new character and said this character is based off that guy 
then we're in a fictional world. But they flat out say, no, this is that guy. This this was a real person. And we're not talking about some guy that lived 400 years ago. This is a guy who just passed away within like the last five years. Um, so to to kind of present a weird alternate history based off of a guy that that was just alive less than a decade ago, it was kind of weird. Um, like the thing I like in this too is you look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre or a number of uh, movies, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably the most famous um, Leatherface loosely based off of real life serial killer Ed Gein. They didn't put Ed Gein in the movie and name mm. the character Ed Gein. It was Leatherface. It was a different character yeah. based off of that guy. This guy is really Dr. Uh, Father Gabriel Amort. And then they just go crazy with the fictional stuff. So anyway, it was it was just a weird meshing for me. It's like I kind of wish that they said, hey, no, this is just straight fantasy instead of using a real person's name behind it. Um, anyway, those are my general thoughts. I'll give my rating after. But Harry, what thoughts did you have about Pope's Exorcist? Yeah, I mean, 100% agree with you with Russell Crowe. I thought he was uh, the star of the show. Um, no, he brought he brought this movie probably from bang average to slightly above average for me. Um, just with his character, um, you know, I also agree with you 100% with the score, makeup effects, uh, cinematography and lighting. Like I said, it looked uh, definitely above average. You know, if you've seen an exorcism movie, um, this is similar to that movie. There's no, you know, crazy, you know, changes to your exorcism style movie. Um, and I, I think it like takes place in the eighties, if I'm not mistaken as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't have I didn't have too many of the problems that you had, Greg. I was kind of actually digging it um, and vibing with it all the way up through the end. But um, I don't care if this is a bit of a spoiler, but uh, I listen at the end. They want to talk to Russell Crowe about the uh, exorcism initiative and how he's going to handle all this. So um, definitely in for the Pope's Exorcist 2 uh, or whatever, Electric Boogaloo, whatever we're doing. I'm in. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's interesting to see Russell Crowe cause it, it, you know, for him, it seems like he still wants to get those like uh, main lead checks. Um, he doesn't want to put himself on like the sideline. I mean, I know he was in a, a Marvel credit scene to play, um, or, and he was Zeus in, in, in Ragnarok. What am I saying? Yeah, he was. Um, so, you know, but, uh, I think, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing. Um, and if th this movie seemed pretty successful, I mean, I wouldn't say it made a ton of money. But um, it looks like it was uh, it did well. Um, and uh, I gave this one three, three stars out of uh, out of five, which is a little bit surprising for me because I'm usually down on a lot of these. And this one uh, stood out to me. It has if you're if you're a horror <laughs> fan, I think this is bless you, Chris. Um, good thing we don't have a mute sneeze button. I apologize. I'm um, sorry. I thought I muted. I've been so good. I've been so good the whole time. And I thought I hit. I think I, he unmuted. To, I, think he I forgot. To I meant to sneeze. unmute and say something. And mm. I was like, oh, no, I, I'm not going to say it. No, and then right. I thought I remuted. I apologize for that. People, people <laughs> driving in their cars just crashed because the sneeze <laughs> shocked them. Um, help is on the way on start. I've been doing it the whole podcast. Like, I um, like, and that, and of course, like, yeah, sorry. Sorry, everyone. Dude, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not uh, paying for your accidents. It, 
I, w- I would say if you're a horror fan, I find I found this to be above average. You know, if if you're one who's on Shutter or you're on Netflix every you know weekend looking for something to watch at home, um, if you get a chance to head out to see this or when this hits streaming, I, I would take time out to to carve out a night for that. I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. It's not going to blow you away, but yeah, three out of five for me, which um, you know I think is is generous. Yeah, um, I am with you. I thought this was really enjoyable um i love possession slash exorcism movies but um but they tend to all kind of be the same and this one sets itself apart uh and it was one of the best horror movies i think since the first conjuring um i give this one three and a half stars yeah uh, I'm just. I'm gonna throw my two cents. Yeah. I did not see either of the movies you're about to talk about, but I didn't even see a trailer for Pope's Exorcist. I saw it like one, maybe one like TV thing. I thought this was like kind of like uh, Abraham Lincoln vampire killer, like a like a real action packed uh, like movie where this like this priest is killing a bunch of like possessed people. <laughs> and that's what I thought it was. Nah. It's not apparently. Run of the mill exorcism movie. You know, it's got. It would have been. It, so it would have not met any of my expectations. Yeah, Zero sorry. stars. All right. Nice. Thanks for sharing. Sorry. You want to sneeze uh, so, again? Are you good? Yeah. <laughs> I might have one coming, but I'll make sure I'm muted. Listen, uh, hit us up on social because you guys can win a prize if you give us the exact timestamp that hands not only sneezes with the mic on, but then starts talking with the mic off because that happens <laughs> like once an episode too. <laughs> yeah, that's sure does. as well. <laughs> Box of cookies coming your way. Yeah, um, the other. The other uh, horror movie that we caught in theaters was one of my most anticipated for this Ugh. year, which was Evil Dead Rise. Um, I I was really looking forward to it, but I was also trying to maintain my uh, my expectations. It's, been, it's been 10 years since the last one, right? It has. Yeah. yeah. And I I am a huge fan of the franchise. I love and adore the original trilogy um the uh remake i thought was very good um i don't think it was great but it it was good enough to to earn you know the evil dead name so uh this one evil dead rise how did it stand out uh or did it stand out i think it absolutely did it it nailed it for me um first of all one of the wildest um opening title card scenes that Sick. i can recall seeing uh yeah just fantastic and left everybody's jaws on the floor uh so that was a really pleasant surprise the deadites in this which are what the uh you know the creatures in the evil dead universe are called felt much more menacing and terrifying and yet again this was another movie that had fantastic makeup effects um uh i thought that the setting was great um there it had a much more modern feel every other evil dead movie um well not so much army of darkness but evil dead one and two and then the reboot all take place in a cabin and a cabin in the woods and this one starts out that way but then transitions into um you know the the city and uh an apartment building and it was it was nice to have a fresh take like the cabin thing is great but it's also played out so i'm happy that this had a different setting and i felt like it was really 
beneficial. It, it really kept that confined vibe because some stuff happens where, you know, uh, the characters become trapped in that building. So really thought that was good and modern. Um, the gore and bodily fluids, dude, off the charts. Love, love, love. Give me blood by the buckets. And you guys sure did. You guys should see Greg's bathroom. It's a, it's a lot like this place. So that's why that's uh, why he loves it so much. Fantastic. It's a Jackson Pollock painting. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just tremendous. Um, yeah, no, this, uh, there, Man of culture. I, I had mentioned in, um, you know, the, the Pope's exorcist discussion that, uh, you know, I'm all for those gross out moments. And that had a few evil dead rise had a lot. Uh, yeah. there were multiple moments where I was like, Oh, in a good way. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, I think I read somewhere that they, uh, the director had, um, they had used like was the number. Then I think yeah, it was like a the bunch of was blood. Like Seventeen hundred gallons of blood or something like that. Cool. You see it all. Absolutely love it. Uh, shout out to two actresses who stood out for me: um, Alyssa Sutherland, who plays the mother Ellie, and Nell Fisher, who plays the youngest daughter Cassie. I mm. thought they were the standouts in the cast. Um, absolutely tremendous. Alyssa Sutherland in particular, uh, as the, the mother who was the, the one who gets possessed. Um, she was just great, uh, really relishing her role. And, um, I actually started, uh, following her on Twitter and, uh, she's really having fun with it with like hashtag maggot mommy and stuff like that. So glad to see her, uh, enjoying the ride and hopefully she gets more work. Cause I, I thought she did pretty good in this. Isn't she a model uh, and, or something from like Australia too? Like, I don't, think uh, I don't like... know what country she's from, but mm. yeah, she is or is or was a model. I saw her yeah. on some like magazine covers and stuff. Um, and then my only other point before I pass it off to you, Harry, is uh, the one the one knock that I had against this movie, which is the main character uh, Teresa, um, in comparison to the lead for the original trilogy, Ash. Uh, Teresa in this, I mean, she's somewhat relatable, but not to the same level that Ash was in the originals. And believe me, I I'm a huge Bruce Campbell fan, loved him, loved the character of Ash, but like Ash, Ash was very relatable because he was very much an everyman. Um, this was a guy who, you know, worked at a retail department store and, you know, he had a uh, sarcastic comebacks uh, for his situations because guess what? A lot of times people react uh, with humor as a, a means of defense. So I could kind of uh, get that from him and, and relate to that. But Teresa, um, while the lack of humor isn't so much a thing, like I, I that didn't bother me as much. She, she leads a very, um, a very unique lifestyle. I mean, she's a, uh, uh, guitar tech trying to be, a, a, a manager for a rock band that tours internationally and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's not really like an every man, uh, type quality or, or career, you know? So it makes her a little difficult to relate with. And even, um, I don't know if it was the performance or what, but like her, her interactions with the characters, uh, you know, like she, 
she said all the right things to indicate, hey, this is a, a good person and, and she she likes the uh the kids and she she wants to protect them and all this stuff, but like it didn't it just didn't vibe. I don't know what way to describe it. Maybe again, maybe it was the performance, I don't know, but it just didn't come across that way. Like the words she was speaking yeah. were right, but um, there was just something that was off. Maybe, maybe it's a chemistry thing. I don't know. So anyway, overall, absolutely loved it. Uh, Harry, what about you? What were your thoughts on evil dead rise? Yeah. Um, so I've been, I've been thinking about this movie, uh, since we talked, because obviously you're very high on it, G and, mm-hmm. uh, I am not. Um, <laughs> the reason why I say that is because I went in seeing this trailer multiple times as a frequent movie goer. Um, and everything that pretty much is in the trailer is mostly in this movie, um, except for maybe like the final third act of it. Um, so, you know, watching this movie and knowing that it's going to be about an hour and 40 minutes and then, you know, seeing not how long it takes us to get the, I guess I want to call it possession going or the, you know, uh, it just, left me a little bit like, oh, so we have 30, 40 minutes left. And, you know, this is, you know, where we're starting at. So um, I just it didn't vibe with me. And I can contrast that with Pope's Exorcist uh, with I didn't see really a trailer for that ever, maybe once. And I didn't really pay attention. So and I was surprised by that one. Um, do agree with you. The title card was obviously dope. Makeup was great. Um, it did have some menacing scenes where I, you know, like to grit my teeth and squint and go, ew, gross. Um, I know you jumped at least one. At uh, least one. Well, yeah, I wasn't as bad as <laughs> Tim. Most of the road but, Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the gore obviously is there, hardcore. Um, it's just, you know, this this one, and I didn't really enjoy the modern feel as much as you mm-hmm. did. Um, I understand from the perspective of, you know, being a, a deadhead maybe, or an evil deadhead. I don't, you know, whatever you guys are calling yourself, there's deadites, um, <laughs> you know, at your, your weekly meetings. Uh, it just, it didn't click with me with me as much. And I think part of that was just lack of surprise, um, you know, with the movie. Um, and it, a lot of it is in the trailer. So if you haven't seen the trailer for this movie and you're excited for this, I would, not watch the trailer, um, you know, as a, again, a big negative trailer guy, even though I love the Dune trailer. Let's put it on right now for the folks at home. Um, <laughs> splice that in, Greg. Um, so, yeah, so this left me feeling a little cold. I did enjoy kind of the third act in, in typical Evil Dead fashion, um, but I also left it being like it was just kind of fine. Um, I gave this one two and a half stars at a, at a five. Um, lower than Pope's exorcist. Again, that might just be expectations or or thoughts. Um, I'm sorry. We don't align on this, Greg, because I know you loved it and you know, maybe they'll get me with the next one. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, I did indeed love it as, as I had mentioned and you had as well. Um, I give it 4.25 stars out of five. Uh, definitely. If you are a fan of horror, go check it out. If, if nothing else, even if you, or don't don't like the movie, the story, the actors and actresses, whatever. And you're a horror fan. You will enjoy the gore. <laughs> there is plenty to be had. So, yeah, that um, is true. And hey, looking looking forward to the sequel. I, I hope this made enough money to warrant it because. Uh, oh, story. Yeah, I forgot to, to mention. It. Yeah, I forgot to mention that part. This movie is making buku bucks. 
Uh, and it was yeah. originally supposed to be direct to uh, Max or HBO Max as formerly known. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's made a lot of money and it's it's definitely been one of the champions of the box office uh, so far this year. Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense, um, you know, not even ticket sales, but it, it seems like it would be fairly low budget. There wasn't a ton of CG grossness. Um, you know, it, it all seemed to be pretty practical and yeah, uh, thus cheap, um, you know, sets and and all of that stuff. There wasn't anything crazy. So I have to imagine, you know, they they did it for a reasonable right. price so all of this is yeah. you know paying off 100 percent cool or as ash would say groovy um ah, all right nice well that takes us into our main topic harry what do you have for us i i can't yeah. share my thoughts sure uh, you think, what do you think about evil yeah. dead yeah let us know i didn't see it all right. Well, there we go. Right, good there talk. We go, everyone. <laughs> zero, zero out of five. Zero to five. Didn't even give it a can't. Didn't, it. didn't even give it a like can't rate it. Uh, you right, know, I have to wait and see. It's like yeah, just zero. not good. Straight up out. No, I my letterbox is a big old goose egg. Goose have egg on that one. The other Evil Dead movies, hands. I might have. I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like those would be up your alley, hands. I feel like you would be a, a deadhead yeah, or you a for deadite, sure would whatever. like them. The original. What I I don't like. I don't do um horror movies that well. Yeah, but it's like goofy horror. All right then. Yeah, I so like. The, I guess I like. Is it like Freddy's the original Dead? Original Evil Dead is straight up horror. You might not know. like that. Evil Dead Two is a mix of horror and comedy. Okay. And, Eve, and Army of Darkness is a straight up action movie. So okay. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I'll, yeah, maybe check I'll check out. it out. All you would right. definitely love Ash. I'll tell you that. Okay. Yeah, it feels right up your alley. All right. Sorry, See, I, my, my favorite thing. My favorite thing about Hanratty is when we tell him he'll like something, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah." And then, like, take Shrinking for example, and then he goes and watches it. And he's like, "Guys, are you watching Shrinking? It's Special amazing." RC. Yeah, and it's like, "Yeah, I knew you would love it, dude. Like, get out of here." <laughs> how i am I, I i'm open off suggestion my love of the office yeah. and ted lasso come from harry oh god so. yeah, well the, the office one i i'm sorry for that but yeah well, i'm glad you love it. we're derailing uh, well it's I my mean, fault that's what i like to do that's what i like to do um catch me at work derailing uh work to <laughs> converse with my associates um so yeah uh main topic tonight uh the mandalorian um season three uh just wrapped up uh dropped march 1st uh just wrapped up on april 19th so um obviously you know we wanted to uh to touch base on it last week but you know uh life uh finds a way um so here we are uh touching base um this uh this season was eight episodes um i would say it left off right after season two uh but that would be a lie uh, you have to watch. Uh, yeah, I guess. Do you, you have, have to watch to, it? But you should. Yeah, Chris says you don't have to. Greg says you should. The Book of Boba Fett uh, has literally an episode and and uh, a three episode arc, but literally one episode directly about the Mandalorian. Um, and the I think final two episodes of the season involve the Mandalorian and the story of him and Grogu. Um, and you were vehemently, uh, vehemently shaking your head no. So 
Is that only reason I know is I watched the I watched the episode of Book of Boba Fett with that episode with the one episode where he got Grogu uh-huh. back. That yeah. was it. And then I I didn't watch the other. I I haven't watched the the whole series yet. Um, gotcha. But I so I wasn't entirely lost. I knew generally because um, of just the internet and all like that. Basically, you know, they would be reunited. Yeah. Um, so and you know, surprises. There's no such thing as surprises anymore. So um, yeah, but I, I still you know when I jump into my thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, as I mentioned, this is eight episodes. Um, you know, season two obviously leaves us with uh Grogu and uh the Mandalorian uh separated but as I mentioned in Book of Boba Fett uh they get back together so um yay uh internet is happy um and then that takes us uh you know into the eight episode uh eight episode season this year um and it was interesting with me I, I know I didn't watch this week to week um so I kind of missed a lot of the dialogue but it didn't feel and I guess I'll throw it to you guys before we jump into, you know, kind of the episodes. This this season didn't feel to me. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like shock heavy, I guess, maybe like I didn't feel Good. like I had a well, I didn't say that, but um, it didn't feel as though like I had to avoid the Internet a lot for for gotcha. this um, where I feel like a lot of times with when it comes to Marvel, when it comes to Star Wars, it's like. You know, like take Guardians, for example, we're seeing Guardians tomorrow night. Now, I'm sure there'll be one thing from there that, you know, we could post that would be have people in a a tizzy about like, I got to go see it. Um, This season to me didn't feel or or maybe I was just, you know, good at avoiding. But this season to me didn't seem to have the the pop um, in the conversation um, for a lot of people. So do you think that's a lack of. You know, maybe it's the third season, you know, I, I, you know, without, you know, jumping into our full reviews, you know, it did kind of feel very Mandalorian-y if you if you if you know what that means as far as just how they tell their story. Um, But what about for you guys? Were you guys following week to week with this or were you guys, you know, in the in the conversation? Um, Greg, I'll throw it to you for it. Yeah, I was watching this week to week, Um, not not every time the day it dropped because this right. is one of the shows that my wife and I watch. So it's finding yeah. a time where we connect, but, um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I was on a week to week basis and I was not, I wasn't following the conversation um, a ton, but I also, I didn't see anything. Cause like normally if there's something, big or whatever you'll start to see like memes pop up or like yeah. little comments here and there indicating a spoiler. cliffhanger at the ep- end of the episode yeah right and i did not see anything like that until the the last episode the day it dropped one of my friends uh, shout out to gary said one of his friends spoiled it for him um so i was like oh god what what happened like let me just stay away from the internet because you know yeah i don't i want to go in um blank i don't i don't want to know what it is either right yeah like just let me get to watch it that was really the only time though there wasn't a ton of chatter like oh did you see this big cameo or you know what does this mean not not anything on the level of the previous seasons in that regard gotcha hands what about you so in terms of like, I guess like when you said about like spoil, like a very dialogue, there like wasn't too much dialogue on it. I agree because 
I I'd like you. I didn't watch this week to week as it was released. I kind of binged it in one, not one sitting because that's ridiculous, but in a couple nights. Um, and as I was watching, like I, I didn't see the good thing. I, there was a lot of stuff that was spoiled because it was less shock heavy than than the previous episodes. Like you didn't really get a lot of a lot of luke skywalker moments coming in and and stuff like that so um i was glad because there's maybe one thing that i did catch that someone had spoiled but it wasn't like a big thing and we'll jump into like a a little bit later um i don't know i I don't i don't know if 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 star wars is taking that marvel fatigue path um and it's like and you know we'll talk a little bit about like just when we kind of go over our overall feeling of the season is kind of i see how i'm with with marvel movies and i'm hoping that guardians breaks that um and and brings me back to loving marvel instead of just kind of mildly enjoying it but um i don't know i it's i i kind of felt just just uh I didn't want surprises and big things at the end of every episode, but I kind of found myself just a little underwhelmed with a lot of hmm. um, a lot of things that happened in the season. But I think a lot of that might have been hype that once it came out, yeah. It, honestly, I when we said we were going to talk about this, I forgot the show was even ended, like and the, this season ended because yeah. it came and it went, like it was a quick eight weeks done and and no one online was was it's kind of like similar like ted lasso now where a lot of people are like with ted lasso like go you'll see spoilers you'll see people like this week's ted lasso was phenomenal or or whatever show is kind of out there that's big mandalorian i i I don't want to say it peaked but i didn't see a lot of people talking about it saying i saw some criticisms and some good things that people liked but i didn't see a lot of people saying Oh my God! This was the greatest, like uh, a gr- one of the best Star Wars moments, or this had was the, like blew me off my feet, like and I just I don't know. Yeah. I think Star Wars is hitting a weird time because um, I think once we got this, and then we got Ahsoka coming out in a couple months, and it just I don't I don't know. I want to be excited for that, um, but it's just, yeah. I, 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 it's when they have these world buildings and I don't know if it was similar to like, I, I don't know if it's because I had to watch another show to get what was happening in this one. And that's annoying because I want to watch book of Boba Fett. Like I intend to watch it, but I like other people that I know were confused that I talked to and, and they said, Oh, well, how does Grogu come back? And I'm like, you gotta dedicate more time to this. And yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's so, what they want, but. But yeah, it is interesting. It is interesting because with Disney Plus and I would say with Apple, I would say Ted Lasso and and Mando are probably two the two biggest shows for these streaming services where it's like, you know, and even with Star Wars, I would say this is probably the biggest Star Wars property right now that like I mean, you know, the, the, we obviously Not to have the, it, it effectively like I don't want to say save Star Wars, but it yeah, got it back in the conversation. again. Exactly. Yeah. And it was like, hey, Disney Plus, like you got to subscribe for Mando season two. Um, and then, you know, with with Ted Lasso, I think, you know, and but, you know, it is similar with Apple where it's like, you know, I, I know they have severance now and, and shrinking, you know, that we joked about earlier, but it, it at least is getting some some legs underneath of it. Um, 
but yeah, let's uh, let's dive into some of the episodes, boys. Um, I'll kind of take these in pairs, um, you know, and talk a little bit about them. It's really funny, you know. We always try to use you know uh, our sources like IMDb for you know descriptions, fun facts, you know who, what actor played what. Um, and I always love the summaries for episodes or even for movies and for chapter 17. So this is episode three or episode one, season three, uh, the apostate, uh, the Mandalorian begins an important journey. So really keeping it under wraps there with, uh, with the tagline there for that episode. But, um, this episode kind of caught me off guard a little bit because I thought it was a flashback to, um, to, uh, uh, Din, um, basically being put in as a, you know, as a Mandalorian member. Um, and then this, you know, river monster or lake monster comes out and you're like, oh my God, what's going on? Um, and then you figure out, oh, it's actually current time. Here comes Mando to save the day. So there was that, that, that I thought was a little pretty cool surprise. But this felt like your typical Mandalorian episode to me. Um, I don't think it was super long. Um, it had some, you know, some adventures. Uh, we circle back to a few familiar faces. Um, Gorian Shard uh, shows up as kind of this pirate villain. Um, and, you know, there's kind of the 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 standoff with Mandalorian and some of the pirates, uh, alien pirates, I guess. Um, not like uh, your Captain Hook pirates. Um, but uh, in case you aren't familiar with Mandalorian. Um, yeah, and it introduces us to, to Gorian Shard, which is he part of Clone Wars at all or of lore for you guys? Or was this a creative villain? It's been a while since I saw. I don't I don't know, to my knowledge. Gotcha. He might okay. he might be around somewhere. Word. Um, and then that kind of leads us to, um, you know, the Mandalorian being told, hey, if you want to be a part of, you know, uh, if you want to say this is the way. Um, you have to go to uh, pure yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, no. The, I was the, as you were saying that I knew where you were going. <laughs> and uh, no, you got to go to the uh, the waters of Mandalore and bathe in there. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's again, it's one of those things with Mandalorian where it's like you know he has a he has a place to go to, um, and you know chaos ensues. Um, so, uh, you know, he gets to the planet of Mandalore um, and he goes to check, you know, the surface. And I thought it was weird. You know, there, apparently Mandalore was destroyed, as you might know from the, the previous seasons. Um, but he does a little surface check and we're good to go. We're good to dive all the way down uh, into the mines of, uh, of Mandalore. Um, and... What ends up happening there? I mean, long story short, I'm, I'm going to kind of uh, yada yada the episode a little bit. Um, he ends up bathing in the waters with the help of uh, Bo-Katan, um, who ends up kind of saving him because he tells her he's going to head down there. Um, and she is like, listen, you, you know, it's not cursed, but you're wasting your time. Um, Grogu, actually, big season for Grogu. We'll get into a lot of these episodes, but he really steps it up. He's really... He's really just growing in front of our eyes. Um, they grow so fast. Um, and, uh, you know, Grogu actually takes a ship, which has an autopilot uh, to go find Bo to let uh, the, her know that the Mandalorian is in trouble. There's some little there's a little bit of uh, did what happened with the sword. Mando was disarmed by this this creature 
um, with mechanical mechanisms and a, and a weird eye. Um, kind of creepy, probably one of my favorite uh, monsters of the, of the season, um, if I'm being honest. Um, and it ends up, like I said, Mandalorian, he bathes himself in the waters. Um, but Bo uh, has to go save him because uh, due to the destruction, the, the pool's a little deeper. Uh, than was anticipated for Mando. Uh, and he sinks all the way to the bottom. He went in with his armor in water so that, you know, no jetpack. So you're going to, you're going to sink like a stone. Um, and as Bo uh, comes up, she sees a, a mythical beast in the water. And what does that mean? Um, and, um, you know, you'll see a, a thread with these episodes as well, that there's a heavy, heavy uh, focus on, on Bo and her story. Um, and her being a part of uh, the Mandalorian experience as well. So first two episodes, guys, um, anything you wanted to add uh, in regards to that hands, I'll toss it to you. Um, how did it feel being back into the uh, the pool uh, of Mandalore? One one thing I loved is the beginning of the first episode. I, I honestly thought we were getting like a, a little bit of a Din origin story. And I yeah. thought that was him being, you know, introduced and being inducted into the mandalore family so yeah. i thought that was that was pretty they really awesome. threw that curveball there yeah. <laughs> i was like oh wait a minute when the ship flew by i was like okay that's music that's, kicks in yep i'm like all right um so that was cool uh agree with it's a very it's just a basic mandalorian startup um you know we were introduced back in the bo katan who's living in a fortress all by herself and she's just um, well, there's a video somewhere, I don't know, or if it's a picture where it's yeah. a cartoon, someone drew up a Bo-Katan, like getting ready for, uh, like when, like she's not doing anything and then she sees like uh, that, uh, Din's coming and she's like, Oh, Oh, oh gotta hurry up. I gotta like, how do I sit on the chair? How do I sit on the yeah. chair? Like, it's coming. Um, so yeah, Carl uh, Weathers yeah. is back in this episode as, uh, as yeah. Grief Karga, you know, that dude does nothing in the show anymore. Back together. <laughs> I um I, I don't need him in the show anymore. Sorry, that was I was if you got half a half a sneeze on there. Um, I'm tired of him. Like he's just, oh. wow. I and I don't. It's not that I hate Carl Weathers. It just it just I don't know. I feel like I'm just done with his character. Um, we get my one of my favorite characters from the 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 um sequel come back, ba- Babu Frick. Um, which I thought was was pretty cool. Uh, the hey, hey! uh for all you uh you would think that's cool, dude. He's so cool. I love him. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was, it was cool. And, and it was a Mandalorian episode and we don't, there, there is a common trend of the first four episodes where they just feel like basic episodes and there's not much happening. And, and that's what I, I, I do have that. Like there is like when they go to the mines and, and they bathe in living waters, but I thought that was cool, and I, and I that monster robot monster was the design on that was fantastic, and I, I thought that whole sequence was great. Uh, especially, I, one of the things I will say is I like how they tied it back to a further storyline a little bit down the road, because um, I didn't even think about that with with the dark saber, but um, you know, I, I I thought it was cool, and I like that where we got a lot more of Bo Katan, and I'm glad that she's you know, going to be, it looks, it seems like she's going to be around for a little bit with, um, depending on future projects. But, um, yeah, I, I thought I didn't like how they introduced her is she just seemed kind of bitter and butthurt that did got the, the, um, the dark saber and she didn't, she's just mopey. 
And it bothered me because I, I thought she was going to have like a villain arc basically for Mando and, and turn on him when she had the opportunity and she did it. So that was good. I, I like that. But uh, it just I, I thought that episode like where it ended, there were a lot of repetitive scenes that we got from the second episode with Mando going into the mines and looking for whatever and him going in his jetpack and going down with Grogu. 15 minutes later, we get the same scene, except it's Bo-Katan going down yeah. the and same shot and her going through the mines. And Save that CGI just, budget, baby. Yeah, exactly. There, where I have a couple things to say about CGI when we get into it. Um, but it just it just seemed like a little repetitive. And, you know, it ends with the third. And once we get I think it's the third episode is the mines where they get into the is it i think this end of the second episode is when they fight that creature thing and then they go back into the mines because sure why not um and uh i think the second episode is it all mines yeah yeah i thought they were in the mine they left the mine okay maybe i got my two or three mixed up yeah yeah but i thought i thought they at the end of the episode they go and like make a plan and then go back down maybe i just mixed the things up i don't know uh but either way um I thought it was cool to see Mandalore. I like. I really think that planet, like in that state, is it, it's a really cool set piece. Um, so I'm glad that we got to see it from there. And it just, I, I don't know. Like the first two episodes didn't wow me. They just felt like okay, it's the Mandalorian who's who's uh, in video game terms OP um, is overpowered because the guy can, uh, except when he fights that robot droid thing or whatever. But he just cannot lose. And it just, you know, I'll talk about that a little bit, but, um, yeah, it just, my initial thoughts jumping into it was like, all right, we're going to get a basic season, but mm. you know, I'll jump a little right, bit so, into it. So hands a little unimpressed to start the first two episodes, Papa, what about you? What were your feelings and anything we missed on, on these two episodes? Yeah, I don't, I feel like maybe, and look, maybe, maybe I have a little bit of, rose colored glasses on because i am so thankful that we have mando in our lives like this franchise that i love so dearly He's got it on his back it, yeah it was not headed down a great path and uh the mandalorian really really uh reversed that trend yeah. um so with that being said when i look at this stuff um Yes, there are some critiques to be had, but I also don't judge it quite as harshly because at the end of the day, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. I'm having fun. Um, I thought, you know, chapter 17 uh, or season three, episode one, whatever you want to call it, was a good kickoff to season three. It, it felt very much in the vein of, you know, the, the previous seasons where it's like, hey, yeah you know, we're, we're off on an adventure. Um, so thankful for that. I don't have too much more to add about that. I, I did enjoy that they were tying in, um, Bo-Katan again, uh, hands. I was kind of along the same lines as you. I didn't, I don't know that I would go so far to say, uh, that I expected Bo-Katan to have a villain role, but I did expect there to be friction between her and Din. Like I thought they were going to be vying almost for, for leadership of the Mandalorians based on, you know, the, the body language and the looks and everything from, 
the end of season two. Yeah, I just I thought she was going to be sour grapes through pretty much the eight episodes. So I'm glad that they kind of wrapped that up when she saved in. And I, I realized that after she saved him twice um, in the same episode um, that she was going to like she wasn't going to have that villain arc. And, and they started respecting each other. And I, I'm, I'm glad that I, I never thought they were going to fight for leadership because Din, I feel like from what we've seen from him in the first two seasons to now, He's not the type that wants that responsibility. Like he's better off being more of a second in command or more of a general right. and not like right. not a, a, a captain. Um, and he respects Bo enough to say she would, she would be a better leader for Mandalorians. So I never thought that, but I thought, you know, she was just, like I said, going to be sour grapes and just be like, Oh, dude's got the dark shaver, blah, 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 blah. But she wasn't. Gotcha. Um, oh, one other thing about this episode, too. Uh, I mean, Babu Frick, whatever. I don't care about him. But uh, <laughs> can we talk about the tree full of uh, salacious crumbs? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Awesome. Give me those guys. Yeah. all day. I, I figured that that would get you out of your uh, your bag there. Greg. Give them a show while we're at it. Yes, I want the adventures of uh, salacious crumb and his cronies. <laughs> um. So chapter 18, The Minds of Mandalore, the second episode, uh, I thought it was an interesting concept. Um, It it is weird because, you know, we're following the story of a bounty hunter. So everything kind of feels like a fetch quest. And that can that can kind of um, not rub me the wrong way, but it at times it's like okay can we get a little bit more variety and you know once again we were here where it's like all right next step in my journey is i have to go to planet a and swim in you know item b and retrieve this and go back and and then all of a sudden quest complete um but that's also part of the deal when you're following somebody who takes on missions for money you know like that's and and it you know this is also his his culture's way of life or whatever so i get it it was just um i don't know it gave me a little bit of pause uh, i was hoping for something a little more fresh but uh but i did think it was pretty interesting it was cool to see mandalore i um did not watch the clone wars all the way through so i you know i am only familiar with what happened to mandalore through what has been said in the Mandalorian. So it was cool to actually see the planet. And then underneath I'm with you guys, that cyborg creature was pretty awesome. Although I thought for sure when they returned to the mines later on, we were going to like see more of those. And I guess not. it was just like a one-off creature living under there. Um, Cool sequence with Din kind of, doing adult swim and, and going off the deep end and and then uh Bo-Katan having to save him um at Bo-Katan sees the mythosaur yeah um I don't know how many people will get this reference but it very much reminded me of Ash in the very first episode of Pokemon seeing Ho-Oh a legendary Pokemon um and at nerd the time, alert <laughs> yeah you know it, it was like nobody has ever seen this thing and Right. You know, it was a sign of good fortune that he saw it. And same thing with Bo-Katan. Um, so that was pretty cool. And like, you know, I was watching this with my wife and I was like, oh, my God, that, that's, you know, the sigil for the Mandalorians. You know, this is a famous creature. Nobody's ever seen it. And she was just totally unimpressed. Like, oh, it's a big beast. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think seeing it in water too, it kind of like, you know, I'm not going to say it was a, an ugly scene, but it definitely wasn't the best lighting where, you know, it kind of, you know, and you're kind of like, was that the, the mythosaur, you know, and then it's like, Oh, is that the sigil and the same? So I could see that from her point of view for it. So, yeah, um, it is, it is cool though, that this is like the second legendary creature that we've got to see in the Mandalorian because the other one was, I can't remember if it was season one or two, but we got to see the crate dragon, which yeah. we only ever saw in a new hope. We saw the skeleton. And other than that, like it's, it's been rumored. They have had crate dragons in like, you know, comics or whatever, but like live action, we've never seen it. And they made it visually impressive. So yeah, Mythosaur not on the same, quite the same level visually but um but it was still cool we got to see yeah. it. uh what, so anyway those are my thoughts on the first two yeah. episodes. one of the things i wanted to mention is uh mandalorian or the mandalorians mandalore uh you guys got to do better with your real estate because um as we go through these episodes a lot of problems uh whether it be infrastructure creatures uh sea monsters dragons um i just everything uh i would i would look into who's picking these places navarro you got pirates um yeah it's just it's whoever you got to fire that person and get a new real estate agent i'm sorry um i I had that on my notes i had that on my notes because the first yeah the first scene is uh that monster coming out of the lake and then a little bit later there's something else that happens and it's just like i'm like at, at one point i think din even says like oh this is a safe haven or something like no it's not yeah, you you're getting your people eaten by these big dragon things, right? Yeah, like insane, absolutely unreal. Um, so that just jumps us in episode three and four. Um, episode three uh, on Coruscant, former Imperials find amnesty in the New Republic. Um, I would say this episode and probably episode six are probably the two episodes I heard the most about in regards to negativity. I want to say. Um, and for this one, this one felt like the most Andory type episode. Um, who, if anyone who's watched Andor, this one kind of has similar vibes. Um, there's a really cool TIE fighter fight. So as Bo and, um, Mando are on their way back, uh, they get intercepted by TIE fighters. Um, they get into a pretty cool TIE fighter fight. I mean, the, the one thing I will say about, I think Star Wars is starting to nail is the space battles. They're not too cumbersome. Um, the, the, all the, when we get into more later, I I think these have looked, uh, really good, um, for it. Um, and then after that fight, we jump into, uh, the amnesty program and we jump back in with our, with our good friend. Um, I, I always, he has like two double P's here. So Dr. Penn Pershing, um, who, if you remember from season one of Mandalorian was trying to use Grogu, um, and that's, you know, kind of the first person we meet. And, you know, when, when Grogu leaves, he's, he's kind of head of cloning division, I guess, in science, would you guys say pretty much? I don't know if sure. he's ahead of it, but he, he's a, yeah. a big, big wig in science. Yeah. 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 Um, and in cloning. So, uh, we, we jump into his story and he's trying to, I guess he's doing his audition for the amnesty program to, to be a part of the new Republic, um, to leave the empire behind and to do good for the new Republic. And, he ends up going to uh, Amnesty Housing, uh, which, you know, kind of weird to put all Imperial people and I guess, you know, whatever. We can get into the politics of that if you want. Um, but, you know, he meets fellow, you know, Amnesty program graduates or, or whatever it is. And he ends up running to um, Aliyah Kane, 
who uh, was working with Moff Gideon. Um, and he kind of, you know, there's kind of a little bit of tension there in the beginning. And, you know, the majority of this episode, I think it's about an hour long. And the majority of this episode is spent on these two kind of discussing, you know, how to make the Republic a better place and what we can take from the old empire ways um, into that. And, you know, um, this one ends up going down the line of, you know, basically Kane, um, you know, is working undercover and gets Dr. Pershing caught when they try to steal something, but it was a setup. Um, and they bring out the, the mind flare as they like to call it, um, a little different from stranger things, obviously. Um, this is more of a machine. Um, but, uh, you know, they, the doctor ends up getting Dr. Pershing gets end up putting on, put on that. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a, there's an end scene there where, where Kane, uh, ends up turning up the heat on the mind flyer to, to show him tortured. Um, I, the one thing I will say about this episode is, that, you know, they kind of show, you know, previously on, or, you know, to get you ready for this episode. And I, I would say, I think they could have done a little bit better job of, of reminding us um, in, about these two and, the, and their story arc just a little bit. Um, but not a huge complaint for me. Like I said, very much kind of takes you out of the Mandalorian. I also like to call this, maybe this is when Pedro was shooting last of us. Um, because I don't know if there was some conflicts there, but it would make some sense if there was. Um, and then that leads us into episode, uh, number four, uh, the foundling. Um, so this one is, is another kind of adventure episode, which, you know, I think Mando does really well. Um, and it's about Din returning to hidden uh, Mandalore, uh, Mandalorian covert. So basically back to the island from episode one. Um, and as I mentioned, the problems with the uh, the animals around here or the uh, the creatures, um, a dragon takes a young uh, Mandalorian foundling and uh, scoops them up and they try to chase on their jetpacks, but their jetpacks don't have enough fuel. So they got to regroup and plan of an, an attack. And uh, this is also the episode where we get a Grogu flashback um, because uh, Grogu is accepting the life of man, being a Mandalore. And he's uh, in the um, not the furnace. What is it called? What do they what do they call it? The where where they're making all the weapons and stuff. The armory. No, the uh, the the uh, beans in forge, ask, right? the forge. Yeah, they're in yeah. the forge and he gets this flashback to Order 66 and his uh i don't want to call it his jedi master but one of the jedi masters um who helps get him out and saves him um because there's you know they talk about how being in the forge you know brings back you know your you know most upsetting moments or you you know times that you might have forgotten um in regards to that and uh yeah the this new mandalorian place uh set up with a lot of dangers uh this is also where we get um we get a uh, Paz, uh, Paz Vila. What's his last name? Paz Vizla. Vizla. Uh, his son is the one who was taking the foundling who's taking and uh, Bo and Mando do a good job of uh, making sure the foundling isn't lost. So Paz ends up giving, uh, I think, a rousing speech at the end of this episode to uh, or maybe it's the next one um, in support of, of, you know, following Bo and Mando um on on the journey to uh find a better life for the mandalorians so i'll throw it to you papa um episode three and four um thoughts feelings um in regards to these two yeah i have a lot to say about episode three the convert um so 
I really liked this episode, which seems to be against the grain for what most people feel about it. But with that being said, I do not think that this was a good fit for a, an episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> like, give me this as like a 45 minute special one off or something. Um, yeah, call it the, the amnesty program. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great story and it's very ground level, like you mentioned, like Andor. Um, I think it's a story that is worth telling and it's um, a it's the Star Wars universe at a different angle. Right. Yeah. And this is this is inspired by real life stuff. Uh, You know, Operation Paperclip from World War Two. Very well known. Nazi scientists were brought over um into the u.s uh and working with the u.s so um you know along those lines uh i thought it it was well done the guy that played uh dr pershing was great but it just it it is so disconnected from the mandalorian like not only in what has been built throughout the the first two episodes of the season but I don't even think they do a great job of wrapping up the storyline. I, I, I don't. I think if we asked Filoni and Favreau and the directors if they wrapped this up, they would they would say no because there's like like they allude to stuff in the remainder of the episodes, but I don't believe we see Pershing again, or if we do, it's just very briefly. I think Kane, it's only flashbacks see again, yeah. but not not much. And, you know, the big crux of their storyline, this this stuff with the cloning, like, yeah, there's more of that at the end of the season. But again, it's very brief and feels like a lot of loose threads. Yeah. And you don't see what further involvement Pershing had with that. So I don't know. It's just it's it's really weird. It, it's just like it's thrown in you know, the, the beginning half of the season and takes up a good bulk of the episode. And then you don't hear much about this afterwards. So it's just, it's very strange. I enjoyed it. I don't want to want people to get that wrong. I thought it was great, but, um, for the season as a whole, the best place for it. And you know what, while we're on the subject, I mean, it is very much the way that, we had those Mando episodes in the book of Boba Fett where it's like, this is something that is just tangentially related at best. And it's plopped down right in here. And it's like, that's not the best fit. Now, if I'm looking at this from like a Disney perspective, I could say, yeah, you know who, if I make this 45 minute special following Kane and Pershing and I say, Hey, it's a Mandalorian side story. Like, is that going to, you know, bust down ratings and, and get all right. kinds of stuff like who's going to watch that? So maybe the only way they felt they could get people to tune in is by shoehorning it into the Mandalorian. But as as a fan, that's you know, it's not the right call. I mean, I understand maybe from a business perspective, but from a yeah. storytelling perspective, not ideal. Um, so there was that uh, as far as. 
Oh, well, I guess also the other thing, too, which is the end of the episode. Um, you know, we have the the Bo-Katan and Armorer. Um, oh, yeah, uh, that's discussion. right. I forgot about that. Yep. And I thought that was really uh, well done. Um, and it's you don't know if. If the armor is playing along like um, I understand you, you did see it and this bodes well, or if she's saying hey you know that's a metaphor and you know i get it you see things or the third option is she's just kind of um humoring her and saying oh yeah we all see the mythosaur at some point and almost treating it like a joke now based on the way the season plays out i don't think it was the third thing but i was i thought it was very cool that there could be so many interpretations of the way those two performances went and specifically with the armor. So I thought that conversation was really neat. Um, And you just to touch briefly, the, uh, the, the um, dog fight with the tie fighters, you're absolutely right on like those, uh, the dog fights are looking great and they are a big part of star Wars. So it's cool to see that that's getting the uh, appropriate treatment. Um. Episode four, The Foundling, uh, another episode I really enjoyed. The only thing I'm going to say to this um, is, dude, so, so happy for Ahmed Best. <laughs> um, Ahmed Best played the uh, the Jedi uh, Knight that um, Harry alluded to. Not necessarily um, Grogu's master, but I think just, you know, a Jedi that one on the team trained with a little bit, or yeah, was at the temple or whatever. Um, the Jedi's name is Keller and Beck. Look, uh, I, <laughs> I don't like Jar Jar. I just don't. He, the CGI is terrible. Um, I get that it was a character made for kids, but the, the whole accent and the way he acts and all that stuff, like it's just, it's ludicrous and it sticks out like a sore thumb. So, and I, I'm not the only one that feels that way, but that's not the fault of Ahmed Best. And sometimes, well, oftentimes Star Wars fans can be a hideous bunch and they spew yeah. their hate to people they don't like. And Ahmed Best has been on the receiving end of that plenty of times. So I'm happy that he got a character that he could play, even if it's briefly, where he got that shot at redemption and that shot at glory where it's like, all right, this is a cool character can sink my teeth into i haven't seen any negative feedback about it his performance was really good uh for you know as good as it can be for a jedi um because they're basically space bunks but uh but yeah you know i i was very happy for him and you know the jedi seemed like a cool dude too like i would like to see more adventures of color in at some point in the future um as limited as they may be uh but that that was all really good. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention about both episodes three and four, because we see a lot of stuff on Coruscant and um, that is particularly right, yeah. in episode three. Like I really I vibe with that because, again, you know, previous times that we're on Coruscant in movies or shows it, you know, you're in like a Senate chamber or, you know, in a massive room in a tower or you're in the Jedi temple, but you're not on like street level stuff. So it's very cool that we got to see street level stuff in Coruscant. Um, and you know, nobody's trying to solve death sticks. Yeah, no, that was <laughs> anyway, pretty cool. Well, it didn't look great too. I will say as yeah, well, it also looked good for sure. 
for sure. Those are my thoughts on those two episodes. Gotcha. What about you, Hans? I'm just gonna. I, I want to keep this really short. I did not like episode three. Um, I, I, I thought, and, and I agree with Harry where it felt like it was in a different show. It's nothing against, I, I, the, whoever played Persian or what the pen Persian, I'm going to call him Dr. PP. Um, <laughs> so whoever played him, I had nothing against his performance. He, he did great. I, I, I loved how he just really wanted to be, he seemed like he wanted to be reformed and wanted to do and help good and help yeah. and wanted to do good. And you know he he gives into this temptation of of working on his his cloning projects and and I I that once that the the girl I'm sorry I I do forget her name um Harry remind me King oh, or, yeah okay once she comes <clears throat> once she comes in and starts like kind of leading him on I'm like something's not right with with her she's definitely she's she's working with some kind of villain I, here i will say they did a pretty good job of being like who is gonna be like the bad of the two i felt like it was very much on the fence until you get to the reveal yeah. that she set him up i um, thought pershing was pershing was going to be bad like basically was working to be a villain like to, to right. go back to the empire yeah i agree um but what i i just i don't know i just felt like the whole they were eating that glowy ice cream which was weird um I, I that really give me, threw me give off. Give me some of that. I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Um, but I just I thought it was it was just okay, but it did not feel like a Mandalorian episode. It felt like more Andorish or more. I, I don't even know like what what I would consider it. Um, so I, I thought there were okay, but it you could take that episode out of this season. It literally does not affect anything. For really, uh, only to who the girl, who the who, um, who she's worked yeah. like you, you get a bad Kane, feeling about yeah. her, Kate. You don't. That's it. Pershing, yeah, Greg Pershing does not show up the rest of the show. He's not like his cloning work doesn't really. I don't think that comes up again. It kind of does, I guess, a little bit later, but, but it just doesn't. We don't even know if that's directly from him. You know exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it just felt like a wasted opportunity and. You know, whatever. It it, it it had a couple good moments. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on board with both of you. The dogfights are phenomenal. They are well choreographed, and they they look really good. Like, the special effects for a TV show are... The budget really went up with those. Um, yeah. Now, the fourth episode... Uh, I, I... Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, just who I think it was great, you, you had pointed out, like, the intentions of the... Uh, the armor who, uh, when she was talking to Bo, I thought she was going to end up, she was giving off real villain vibes. I thought she was setting up Bo for some kind of like backstabbing or, or just kind of grooming. How dare, Bo. You, how dare you claim to see the mythosaur, you know? Yeah. yeah. We don't like, want your maskless type. Of yeah. Us. Or like grooming Bo to maybe kill Din or I don't know. She just didn't, she was Ooh. laying off bad vibes. I was wrong. I'm glad I was wrong because it was kind of, I guess in terms of shocking, that was probably the most shocking thing for me where that, like the armor didn't turn out to be bad. Uh, now fourth episode, uh, I thought was great. I love the flashback. I, I think we get order 66 flashback in Obi-Wan, I believe in some form. Um, I love live action. Um, Order 66 stuff. Um, I thought it was done per more 
much better in the Clone Wars TV show. Uh, but I like to say it. I'm at best. Good for him. I, I We're going to talk about a, a couple cameos a little bit later. Um, but this was one that fit Star Wars, and I'm glad that they included it. And I thought it was nice because it's – imagine if they put actual Jar Jar in this and, and he somehow was a Jedi or something. Jar Jar um, confirmed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, I thought it was good. Um, I, I love that lightsaber scene where he had the – like he was like dual wielding the lightsabers. Um, yeah. I thought that was like well choreographed, but um, I, I I think this is where we start to see more of the Grogu development um, for a CGI slash puppet character. Um, I think you're starting to see where he's starting to show facial expressions, where he's not just moving and like staring, and he just feel like he was just very inanimate in the previous seasons. This I feel like they're giving him facial expressions to show how he's feeling and we get to see like that backstory of yeah a lot of people had uh, even in the first season where like he escaped the Jedi Temple during Order 66 it was cool to see him actually there and how he got out of it Uh, so yeah and I think that at this point we started to see how uh, you know did was gonna like I, I had a feeling that he was gonna eventually be an apprentice and show up towards like to be a Mandalorian. Now, a lot of people are like, who does the Mandalorian refer to? Is it Din? Is it Bo? Is it Grogu? I mean, and I, I think it's, it's, it's cool to speculate. Um, yeah. But I, 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 you start to see the relationship between the characters kind of come together. And I thought with Bo coming to the little area that the little cave that is a, a, a death zone, um, I thought that was great. I thought, I thought Bo was going to, they accepted Bo. Not right away, but I mean, they, like she took charge, and that's where I loved her her development as the character, where she is in the Clone Wars shows and Rebels. She's like a a leader, and we didn't see that since season two, and I think she really shined in a lot, of, like the rescue mission, and I think you start to see how the Mandalorians are starting to trust her. So outside of the ones that she was with in her party, yeah. now she's starting to earn the trust of these. I I you could call them religious. Mandalorian nuts. I don't know what you want to call, it, but yeah. So good at both. Good at the the third one. I wasn't a fan of. I'm not going to say it was a bad episode. I enjoy four a lot more. It, it was it was okay, but it belonged yeah. in a different Star Wars show. So well. um, I want to add one thing to episode three, uh, which is I believe this was the first mention of the fact that Moff Gideon didn't make it to trial. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, they they mention it when um they're at the table and they say like the one yeah. guy's like I heard he never made it to trial. So yeah. Right. So yeah. when when we find that out, my thought is okay. This is gonna go one of two ways. Either he's gonna come back, um, in force, uh, you know, at the end of the season, or maybe there's a larger play. Um, yeah. Where you know. Maybe he won't be back this season, but at the end of the day, he'll be the big villain, you know, a couple seasons down the line or whatever. So um, next two episodes, um, we get a return to form with uh, episode five, the pirate Um, in this episode. um, It's basically the people Navarro need protection from rampant pirate attacks. This is a reference back to the first episode, you know, with uh, Gorian Shard. Uh, he shows up, kind of takes Navarro under his control. 
Um, we get a return uh, also as well as, as Mando loves to bring people back. Uh, Carson Tava, Captain Carson Tava, um, who ends up showing up uh, or who gets gets the call from um, he gets the call from Grief Karga to come help him. Um, but the bureaucrats at the New Republic uh, make it difficult. They got to push all that paperwork. Uh, we get um, basically what ends up happening is Carson Tava uh, ends up going, uh, which I, I was I was watching this and I'm like, so instead of going straight to help and going rogue, um, because I guess that could cause you know issues, he flies all the way to where was it was it Coruscant right I believe so yeah yeah so he flies all the way there to go have a meeting with Tim Meadows who's one of the I guess uh generals who's a paperwork pusher but in also steps um what's her face uh sorry Kane uh who somehow is just in in the room at the same time. Um, and she, or whatever. yeah, she's kind of planting the seeds that they can intervene. And that sounds very, and, and there's a little bit of politicking going on here, which I didn't mind, but at the same time, it's like, wait, so what are these pirates doing to these people the entire time? Like, this is like, it feels like it's hours, but you know, or maybe even a day. Um, they even reference it that it's a long trip. Um, but anyway, uh, so the, the Republic won't take action. So, um, Tava calls on, um, the Mandalorian to, uh, step in, if I'm not mistaken, um, in, in regards to that, um, and him and Bo and, and the rest of the Mandalorians, this is, you know, this might've been that speech that I mentioned that, uh, that Paz gives, um, to support, you know, let's go to Navarro, let's regroup, let's re-rally, um, and there's, there's a fun action scene in there. Like I said, this is your typical, you know, Mando episode going back and forth in one place, um, at Navarro. Um, they end up over overcoming the pirates, um, shard ship ends up going down and, uh, he did. Um, so he, he won't be playing any roles. Uh, but, uh, I think his, his subordinate, what's a vein vein gets away. So we'll probably end up seeing him in Mandalorian season four, um, but this is where the first time I, I wrote a note to myself that this kind of feels like the bow show in a way and kind of what hands was hinting at earlier as, as to the focus uh, of the Mandalorian. Um, and we kind of get her getting, she's getting a lot more time to shine, um, in regards to that. So, um, then that jumps us into the next episode, uh, which we go to episode six guns for hire. Um, again, this is probably the other most controversial episode. Uh, the Mandalorian visits an opulent planet or opulent world. Um, opulent. opulent. Sorry. Thank you. I appreciate you um, uh, fixing my grammar. <laughs> um, so uh, the, right off the bat, we get uh, in this episode, we get Jack Black. We get Lizzo. We get Christopher Lloyd. Uh, you know, Bo and Mando are going on a mission to find Bo's friends who are Mandalorians, who are the opposite of Mando's friends who are Mandalorians to bring them together because they are now rallying the troops to have this focus of only Mandalorians are stronger together. Um, and when they arrive at this planet, they see that Lizzo runs the planet with her husband, Jack Black, who's a former imperial person who doesn't seem to have any reference other than it was mentioned earlier in the season 
Um, and there's a droid problem where there's battle droids and there's uh, clone war droids um, or even pre-clone war droids um, that are running this town, which, hey, listen, let's get them into Holman, you know, so we can uh, we can work less and enjoy our time more. So shout out to battle droids um, for making that possible for the people of that society. Um you know, and then Christopher Lloyd ends up turning out to be the bad guy because he, you know, let him cook on his politics. He was going off. Um, he was he was shouting out Count Dooku and how Count Dooku never got his his due. Um, and man, let me tell you, it uh, all leads to um, a conversation with Bo and her former troops with Axe Woves, um, who now runs the the I guess best way to call him is the helmet taking off Mandalorians. Um, and, uh, you yes, know, that's like, actually in, in, that's, that's in that's, canon. It's, yeah. That's it's in canon. Helmet taking yeah. off Mandalorians. Yeah. And Axe is like, we're never going to follow you because you don't have the dark saber. Like that's, you know, you sound silly. And then Mando just dropping this three episode ago bomb where he's like, actually, this is what happened. I've been waiting for the right time to tell you this. Um, I was actually disarmed and then Bo killed the person who disarmed me. And that means that she claims a sword. Am I correct? And that's, she, she he asked that to the people and they're like, yeah, that, that sounds, that sounds factual. That's, it should be hers. And they all rally behind her to take us on to episode seven. So uh, hands um, I'll throw it to you for episode five and six. You know, I think the main focus here is probably six, um, but anything you wanted to say about five, like I said, it felt like more of a typical Mando episode, um, you know, safe and true is what we know there. You say me, right? Sorry. I, was, I, I did was, say I you. I was blowing yeah, my I nose while I was, I was muted. Right. So I wasn't sure. It's it's season. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit um, early. I think it was today or yesterday. Uh, this episode drove me crazy because I, well, let's go to the Tim Meadows thing. Tim Meadows, like, I don't care about his cameo because I haven't seen Tim Meadows literally in anything since like Mean Girls. So good for him. I, he's not around that much where I'm just like, if he did get him a Star his Wars role, game. His role also makes sense. It's, he's just it's, a paper yeah. pusher. He's not like public. he's not like the ladies man from Saturday Night Live doing that gig in Star Wars. So I'm fine with that. Uh, once we get to the Lizzo Jack Black stuff. I this is so bizarre. Because I did not, I don't think I knew going into it that they were in this. And I saw Jack Black and I was like, oh my God, Jack Black is in Star Wars. And they showed Lizzo. I'm like, oh my God, Lizzo is in Star Wars. And they're not even trying to, uh, I guess, act is the word I'm thinking of. Like, Jack Black just seems very Jack Blackish. But that, seems that right guy. Off, right off the recording of Mario and he just stepped in. And Lizzo just set. seems like she's doing an interview for like a concert she's doing. Like it doesn't, she just doesn't seem like, I don't know. They phoned it in. Um, Christopher Lloyd, I had a problem with this only because I, I just, th- there were three cameos, like these three cameos drove me crazy because they did not need to be in here. And they're just like, hey, Christopher Lloyd's available. Let's get him. Sure. Come on in. And it just like, I have, a, I don't think I've seen Christopher Lloyd in anything good since Back to the Future. I, I and, and honestly, he did. He did a funnier die um, preview for um, Gobstopper where they made a trailer where it was like a haunted Willy Wonka. Uh, <laughs> I really recommend watching it because it's fantastic. Uh, it's just a trailer. But I was like, I, I just at this point, 
and I and maybe when you say controversial, like online with people's opinions, I have a feel like I I'm afraid that Star Wars was going down this route where it's just like let's just care more about our cameos and like oh let's get Jack Black Lizzo like it just I it I don't know it just didn't make sense mm. but again like. The storyline with it, I, I kind of I, I liked a little more with it, like with the whole battle droids. I'm, I'm glad they did a little callback to the Clone Wars, uh, but I just I, I just it, it just seemed like they're like, OK, let's pay Jack Black and Lizzo. And again, we're still going to like forget about like, you know, just other like, I don't know. Yeah, I there. I'm not saying Jack Black's a bad actor. Uh, he's not. Jack Black is a very he does. Uh, you know, I feel like Jack Black could be in anything. Lizzo, like she sticks out, and she's not a good actress. Sorry, Lizzo, if you're listening, I apologize. Your your music's good. You're not a good actress. And Christopher Lloyd is just like well past his prime. Like they got him only because they're probably just like yo. Like Christopher Lloyd probably went to him saying he needs money or something. Yeah, I I do want to apologize too. I think uh, in one of these two episodes, I think it's six. When is this? When Kane calls Moff Gideon, that we find out that he was actually. Um, we think he was taken by Mandalorians, um, but that actually turns to be a pivot point, um, which we'll talk about in a couple episodes. But I think this is when he gets the call from Kane about like, hey, the Mandalorians seem to be banding together and, and you know, let's uh, let's try to stop this. Um, but Papa, yeah. episode episode five and six for you. Any thoughts? You yeah, want to so, skip over it? We'll we'll just go to the next. I'm kidding. No, no, I I do have some thoughts here. So episode five, um, I enjoyed. I think it was a, a really cool, tense, action filled episode. Um, love Carson Tiva and uh, um, the actor that plays him, Paul Sun Hyung Lee. Uh, I actually tweeted him and said, "Hey, we need more Carson Tiva in Star Wars," and. He uh, liked it, so shout out to. He uh, was on that uh, that Canadian show you liked, right? Uh, the one Kim's on convenience. Kim's yeah, Convenience. Yeah, yes, dad. yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's fantastic and a great sense of humor. Huge geek, uh, just an all around good guy, and and the character's cool too. So um, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a, a spinoff series. Um, but anyway, uh, the Tim Meadows thing was. I don't know. It was, it was what it was. I was like, yeah, Tim Meadows. There's, okay. there's honestly probably yeah. a lot of people who like, don't know who that is. So they might've just oh, even yeah. thought like, that's an actor. Do you know what I mean? So there's a, definitely a generation that would be like, like we, who was we that? were the ones, we were the ones going like, Oh, Tim Meadows. I remember him. Yeah. yeah that's for it. Sure. But sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, no, it's all good. Um, Gory and shards design. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this. Leaf I Man. saw your I saw I saw your notes, and I I I, I didn't want to double it, but the, that was the first thought I thought of when when. <laughs> so that thought is he very much reminded me of Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs. Nice, <laughs> I yes. I I don't know what it is, but it, it's got to be an ode there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I hey, I like the design, but that's that's what it was. It was like if. Pizza the Hut and Davy Jones tree. from Pirates and a tree like a fern had like a kid. That's what you'd have. Um, so very cool, but uh, an interesting design. But yeah, he's he's done so we don't see any more of him. Um, the ending 
to this episode actually did give me goosebumps, which is uh, Carson Tiva investigating the ship, oh, yeah, the wreckage yeah. of the ship that Moff Gideon was on. And that's where we get confirmation. Hey, he didn't make it to trial. So yeah. he out um, here, he on these streets. Exactly. Um, So I thought that was a a pretty cool scene. It was, you know, a bit um, haunting uh, and and grim when you get that realization like, oh, yeah, he's out. And they hint that Mandalorians might have been responsible for it, which is like, whoa, who? Which one? Oh, yeah, because the best car. Yep. One quick note. And we talked about like the fact that Moff Gideon, like a lot of people were like saying like, oh, I never heard. I heard he never made it to trial. Like, a lot of people were sweeping that under the rug. Like, it was no big deal. It was going to be in the news, you know what I mean, front front page. But, like, not even that, but just, like, even, like, when the, the prisoners were talking, like, oh, I heard he never made the trial. Oh, that's great. And then they'd bring it up with Tim Meadows. Like, they talk about it in that scene where he's like, oh, I heard got mafia. People were like, why is there a massive manhunt or something looking for this guy? Here is my <laughs> take on that. Love it. I think that that is the case because we're talking about galaxies wide government. Yeah. Government BS. Like there's going to be stuff that slips through the cracks. New regime. Yes. There are, you know, as much as Moff Gideon is a threat in this story, in the grand scheme of things and all of these shards of the empire across the galaxies, you know, is he a true power player or is he a brigand that they happen to capture and, you know, Hey, we got him. Oh, he escaped. Well, you know, yeah, we should probably look right. into that, but you know, it's no big. So I think, I think there's just so much going on in terms of them trying the, the new Republic trying to, organize and and bring um democracy back and all of this stuff that like hey this criminal got away i guess we'll get to it when we get to it you know yeah i just felt like they're like well we heard he he never he never made it well that's all right well we'll get him when we get him right so okay um episode or i should say uh chapter 22 22, um, episode six guns for hire um I love this episode. Sorry. Wow. I do. Yeah, I do. Yo, haters, get out of here. Um, that means you hands leave the chat. Yeah. Um, I look, I get it. You definitely don't want Star Wars to, to be overwhelmed with cameos. I get that. I'm totally in agreement. But I think that they're in in the vast, vast universe and all these galaxies and planets and peoples and cultures, are there going to be some wackos? Sure. And guess what? <laughs> Jack Black is as eccentric uh, a character as you can get with his Captain Bombardier. So, uh, and, and Lizzo, his wife, the Duchess. Um, I loved it. I think it was a, a fun take on like, here you have this utopian society and, Hey, we, you know, we're so great. We even eliminated the need to work, you know, <laughs> like, and everything is, sounds everything great. Is this, yeah. yeah, exactly. This great facade. And, you know, sure. Maybe he works for the emperor or uh, the empire, or, or at least they have some dealings, whatever, whatever. He's an autocrat. He's got his own little paradise. He's good. Um, 
So I, I, I liked their characters. I liked, you know, that they were eccentric and, and kind of extravagant and all of this stuff. I think it was a fun, a fun way to show something different. You know, people popped when we saw Scarif in Rogue One because it's a different setting. You know, like you can only see so many sand or snow planets, right? Um, and it's the same thing with this. This this was our first look at, you know, a planet that seemingly had their stuff together. And, um, you know, sure, maybe there's some some Looney Tunes running it. But, hey, that's part of the price we pay. I don't have to go to work. So be it. Um, but the, the whole premise uh, was very interesting. And, you know, I will say once again, it's like, all right, here's another quest, you know, <laughs> like yeah. can't can't go further in the story until we we f- complete the side mission here very very video gamey very video yes very much so but um you know it was interesting i like that you know we had the callbacks to the the time of the um the separatist and the droid army and all that stuff so um you know we we get to see the um uh, the droids uh having some type of virus or you know we don't know what's going on the christopher lloyd thing yes definitely passed his prime no not the best performance but i thought it was acceptable and um hey you know his name's hellgate i'm sure he is gonna be a bad guy (laughs) and he was um you know his his whole reasoning for doing it was a little murky or whatever uh it's it's whatever i and again maybe this is something this is referring to those rose colored glasses that i i talked about earlier but uh overall i had fun with this episode and hey you know that's that's what i'm here for um so liked that and yeah haters uh, deuces i would have i would have i would have smashed my tv if jack black started singing a song called duchess and it was like to the words of peaches. Duchess, 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 Duchess. I would have thought I would smash my TV. I did not see him doing, I, I like, I know he did. I didn't see him doing press for Mario. Um, so this was the first time that I saw him in a, his recent state. And yeah. like, I thought that that beard was just part of his costume. And then I saw the press tour for Mario and I'm like, Oh no, that's his real beard. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I, so good, for, good for him. He's yeah. staying busy. I, uh, in typical fashion, I fall in between both of you on this episode. Mm-hmm. I take it or leave it for me. Um, you know, uh, whatever. Um, all right. So it's fun. Like, Just don't make it like a weekly habit with these. Characters. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. That leads us into the final two episodes of the season seven and eight, uh, chapter twenty three and twenty four. Uh, the spies and the return. Uh, I'm going to kind of group these two together because literally um, they are kind of one episode. Uh, they, it leaves off right. It start the episode eight starts right after episode seven. There's no cuts. It's, it's jumping right into the action. So um, basically uh, we, we, we start off in, in Moff's lair um, where he's speaking to other empire heads um, about plans on the attack uh, we get a young Hux reference. We get Thrawn reference. Um, and then we kind of, you know, all hail the Empire and 
you know, we're going to take, uh, we'll leave the cloning to me and, and we'll figure it out. And I'm going to take care of these Mandalorians. They're our greatest threat. Um, there's definitely some jockeying and, and stuff like that going on there. Um, but I thought it was a pretty cool scene. Um, we get into uh, Grogu being installed into the IG-12 unit. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of enjoyed this. I'm not going to lie, especially with the yes, no buttons. Um, reminded me a lot of like, if my wife couldn't talk and like, she had to like reply via buttons, um, she would hammer those the same way Grogu does. Um, and then, uh, there's, so then this is, you know, they bring all the Mandalorians together, um, the non helmet loving Mandalorians and the helmet loving Mandalorians. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but they cooked those baby dragons uh that uh they had brought back with them i don't know if you saw that but they I definitely see that but oh uh, yeah pick that up. Eat a dragon bottom left hand corner uh the little they, that was it looks very similar to the uh the dragons they brought back um like chicken so then they're heading yeah <laughs> then they're heading back to mandalore we run into the night owls who are another faction of mandalorians so hope you're keeping up at home that's now three factions of mandalorians these are the ones who have been on mandalore since the attacks on mandalore and are still there um hey, right? hang on let me no i want to rewind because and hands i think maybe you can verify this but the night owls are they're just part of the the maskless one or the helmetless ones like the night owls is the clan that oh it's like a group to. yeah it. i think yeah. yeah i think that's what i think that's what it is yeah yeah but they but but they were still on the they're like still mandalore yeah, yeah, they were still on Mandalore, yeah, but they just got separated yeah. or whatever and never made it out. Um, yeah. So so then that leads into the big showdown um, with the Mandalorians and with the um, Gideons. Gideon, yeah, Gideon's troopers who are the second version. The Dark version, Trooper 3.0. The Dark Trooper 3.0. Um, the, the, this, the whole Moff Gideon set up with, with, uh, the dark troopers and the dark troopers just reminded me a lot of miss, uh, of, uh, Dr. Robotnik and how it's like, <laughs> Hey, you beat me the first time. Let me get better armor and like, let me suit up differently in more show. armor. And, uh, so, and then, uh, leads to the final fight and, uh, our man Paz, he sacrifices himself. Um, and, uh, RIP, uh, he, he takes one for the team with his gun. That seems to be the only gun that takes down people. One shot, um, with Beskar. Yeah. It's yeah, like uh, Beskar. the Beskar piercing rounds. Yeah. And, uh, he goes, he goes down to, uh, uh, shout out last Jedi, um, for, uh, the, I guess the, the dark trooper red soldiers with the, the Praetorian guards. Yeah. The Praetorian guards. Thank you. <laughs> um thanks nerd um that that, right after that it jumps right into uh the they're on the run mando and well mando i sorry i even forgot in episode seven he gets kidnapped i don't know again this is another thing where it's like just off him right there like i'm not saying i want that to happen but like come on moff what are you doing like you're like put him in put him in the interrogation room like what is he gonna tell you dude you're like and i and i forgot to mention too another silly thing so Moff Gideon is on Mandalore with a base just set up there and he's been there, I guess, or he took their base and like made it his own. Um, there's some weird stuff with that where it's like, so he's just been hiding, you know, there's no recon Very rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just kind of there. Um, and then um, that leads us. So, so Mando has been kidnapped. 
Um, Bo is is with the rest of the 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 Mandalorians um, down on the ground. There's the Mandalorians in space watching overhead who are ready to come down, but haven't gotten the all go ahead. So our boy, our boy, uh, what's his name? Axe Woves. He ends up taking one for the team and zooming all the way to space. Apparently, is enough jet fuel. Um, he's gonna go warn everybody of what's happening. You guys um, take care of this. I'll, I'll go warn them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said, "Good luck, everybody." Yeah. In case Bounce you guys all quick. die, I'm um, gonna go fly in space. Yeah. <laughs> so, so not only is Moff Gideon just hanging out there, there apparently R five is just around on on Mandalore. Um, and so man, uh, Din calls him and then he ends up having him help him get around because he escapes. Obviously, um, this had big, uh, I made a note, this had big Jedi fallen order type vibes where there's a planet, but it's kind of been taken over by the first order, like the, the empire. And you're kind of like in there and it's like all set up like the empire, but it's like not supposed to be, I don't know. That's the way I felt for it. Um, then our man Axe Woves, he he tries to he goes for the uh, the holdo maneuver almost, um, some last Jedi type stuff, and he's gonna crash this uh, cruiser into the base down below um, as he sacrifices himself to go um, down. But luckily he's got a jetpack, so he just blows a window out and saves himself before the cruiser crashes. Um, we get some Phantom Menace type fighting with some gates while uh, Mando's fighting some dark troopers, um, which was, you know, really cool. Um, we got a, a sick closed room fight with uh, the, the guards and Mando. Um, that was pretty dope as well. Um, we end up, uh, you know, it all culminates with Moff versus uh, Mando and Mando's losing. And then Grogu tries to help. And then Bo comes in. But what happens? The Mandalorians are stronger together. And they work as a team to take down Moff Gideon. We see him engulfed in flames. Assume he's dead. But he's got that dark trooper suit on. So who knows? Um, but seems pretty dead. Um, and in that fight, the Darksaber is broken. No more Darksaber. It's been like a plot point for like two seasons. Or last season and this season. So weird. Uh, all culminates with the Mandalorians working together, which leads to Grogu's adoption day. Din decides to adopt Grogu. It's a real sweet moment. They go back to Navarro. They find a little place there for for Grogu and for Din to train and for him to become hopefully one day a Mandalorian. And all is well uh, in the world. So. Boys, I'll throw it to you. Obviously, there's probably maybe a couple things I missed. I kind of wanted to go over the highlights there. Um, but uh, I'll throw it to you, Greg. Uh, take us through episode uh, 7 and 8 or chapter, what is it, 20, 23 and 24. Yeah, so the only note I really wanted to talk about with 23, well, two notes. Um, the first is putting Grogu in an IG-12 at, like he's piloting a little mech like yeah all right no face covering either just kind of open-faced yeah i know perfect I blaster know you, shot range i know you had mentioned you like this um i thought I'm it was funny a fan of it i didn't say i liked it i said it okay. was funny okay. i liked okay. i liked the little controls you know i thought it was funny all i didn't right, i didn't fair. like it yeah like the yes and no thing sure it was cute it was a little funny but like it, it's going to get played out quick. It got played out for me within those two episodes. Um, Fair enough. 
Grogu is strong in the Force. He's had some Jedi training, not much, but some Jedi training, both yeah. in the temple as a youngling and with uh, Luke and Ahsoka. Um, he's starting to learn the ways of the Mandalore. And, you know, he had his first little encounter with uh, um, Ragnar Vizsla, uh, Paz's son, and yeah. one, by the way. Took him down. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. He is not, training. He's not helpless. We don't need to throw him in a robot. He can do cool stuff and fight on his own. Look at he helped take down uh, what the Rancor in uh, Book of Boba Fett. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, I I would have much rather seen um, them put IG eleven or IG twelve or whatever back together <clears throat> and have him just be his own character instead of a hollowed out shell that Grogu pilots. It's unnecessary. It's like, I don't know, it's just, you just, you don't need to add bacon to everything, you know? Like, yeah. this is, this is one of those things. Tastes pretty good, though. So, yeah, sometimes. I don't know. It depends what you're mm. adding it to. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I felt it was fair enough. unnecessary and not a fan of it. Um, the other thing with this episode was the ending where din is captured and you know we get the reveal that the the dark trooper 3.0s are all just dark troopers with best car armor and all this stuff couple couple notes on that number one like i said felt very rise of skywalker ish where it's like all right well how long has moff gideon been free and he established this base on mandalore and they've been mining and refining and smelting Beskar and making armor and all this like I, it's just does the timeline jive so, how do they the night owls haven't like, seen it either or seen tie fighters leaving right right you know like this is their planet and they they know the ins and outs and i'll, I'll lead you to the forge and 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 yet here's the secret base that has been there for a while now <laughs> i don't know it's just it didn't make sense to me and look like Okay, so the Beskar stuff is um, a cool little wrinkle, but at the end of the day, it's just a person in armor. Yeah. Like, I think it would have been much more, um, I guess, terrifying as if they took the Dark Trooper 2s that they had in Season 2, which were, you know, the robots, and basically made those out of Beskar. Um, that would right. have been a more a bigger threat in my eyes. Look, stormtroopers are laughable. They are. I'm, I'm sorry. And even dark troopers. Like, I just don't. When you have, they're cannon fodder. Like they always have been. They always will yeah. be. And it's like you know, no matter how esoteric you want to get with, like you know, these are the special forces versions of stormtroopers or whatever. It's like at the end of the day, they're just people to be overcome in droves and these dark troopers gave me those vibes it's the same thing with the praetorian guards like the praetorian guards i heard somebody say or i saw a tweet or something where it's like oh the mandalorian redeemed them from you know their poor showing in the last jedi and it's like no they didn't like they ganged up and took down paz vizsla and then they all got taken out by mando <laughs> like yeah you know they didn't have a great showing at all um Work if to be anything, done. It was even it was even a poor showing that that multiple of them couldn't take down Mando and and Grogu, whereas 
you know they're new um, they're new to the armor you know it's a it's a little bit cumbersome it's a little heavier you know sure, the reaction time sure, is a little slower <laughs> but but yeah so i don't know i just i feel like the villain th- like all of this with the villain is just it's like a misstep like i get that you want to have an overarching villain for a season but like the moff gideon stuff and you know, I guess you, we'll just tie this in together with both episodes because you know, like you said, they're they yeah. kind of one extended thing. Um, Moff Gideon being revealed as like the big bad for this season was a poor choice. Um, I agree. I, I like they dropped one or two hints about it early on, and then nothing. And then the middle of the season, oh, he escaped, and then nothing. And then we're jam packed. Oh, all of a sudden he's here. He's a threat. He's had all this stuff made and it, it again, very much the emperor in rise of Skywalker. Yeah. It's like, like I thought dude, this was wrapped up and it's like, why are we bringing him yeah. back? And look, if you make him the overarching villain of the series, like let's say, let's say they made Kane the villain and you know, yeah. and obviously they would have needed more exposition or whatever. And then you sure. find out she's working for Gideon who's still alive and you know, he'll be back in season four or whatever as the big bad or or in that movie that's supposed to wrap everything up cool but like you can't just say this guy is out there show nothing of him and then all of a sudden hey i'm the big bad guy like there's no there's no investment like people people loved him in the first two seasons because he was a recurring threat like yeah throughout the season the seeds are planted and you see him actively working and doing his dastardly deeds or whatever and you know we're we're being kept abreast but to just keep keep a character in the dark like that and then plop him down Tough. and say all right here's the, here's the guy you got to beat it's like that's it's not great um and that like i think if there was one detriment to the season i really liked this season not as much as the others but i did enjoy it i thought it was fun but the way they tied all of this in with Gideon and just dropping him in. I, I feel like was, it was a big miss. Um, the ending to this episode uh, or episode, I'm sorry, chapter 23, the spies with Din being captured. I did think that was a, a pretty crazy moment where I was like, Oh, how, yeah, what's going to go here. That's fair. I kind of um, glossed over that, but yeah, I thought, I thought, are we in danger here? Cause like the, the right. gate closes behind. It's just like him alone. It's like, are they going to, are they going right. to go crazy here? But obviously that was very much like I questioned because I think at that point, too, there had already been an interview with like Dave Filoni and they asked him, yeah. oh, you know, is, does the Mandalorian refer to Din or is it every? And he's like, no, this isn't just Din's story anymore. And I was like, oh, are they going to like off him? Um, so there was very much a sense of danger in that. Go shoot last of us too. Like, get out of here. Right, right. Um. So, like, I thought that was good as far as cliffhangers go. And then we move on to the next episode, which is the, the final episode for the season. Um, chapter. Yeah, chapter. What is it? Yeah, 20, uh, 24? Uh, 24. Yep. Yeah, uh, for the return. Yeah. The return. So the episode for me was just OK. Um, I was really. I really loved the ending of it, but everything in between the whole final battle with Gideon and, uh, you know, the I don't know, all of that stuff, the dark saber being broken. It's like, oh, here, here's a cool relic from the season. 
uh, or from the the franchise. And Deuces. Yeah, we we have all of this history behind it. Let's just break it. And you know, this was like a major plot point for parts of season two and Book of Boba Fett. And now all of a sudden, nah, we don't need it. We're just gonna crush it. Hey, they don't have. They don't need the dark saber to lead. They just need the power of each other. <laughs> yeah, it was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, um, that was the real journey. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I I didn't vibe with it. Um, it's neither here nor there. I thought you know the fight with Gideon. Sure, I still don't understand how he's able to go toe to toe with like you know a, a warrior like Din yeah. uh, and and the others, but. It's whatever. Yeah, he was, he was um, moving in that Beskar. He he was used to it. I don't know if he had more training than than the guards, but you know, yeah, he was moving. I don't know. Uh, I will say, if that is the end of Moff Gideon, that's super disappointing for Giancarlo uh, Esposito. It feels like they did him dirty with uh, an ending, and um, the ending to the season, I did actually really enjoy. I liked that. You know, I know it's going to be temporary, but Mando got his little slice of heaven out there on Navarro out on the edge. He's he's uh, kind of off on his own. He's got a, a little gig side gig with uh, Carson Tiva where he's he's going to hunt down the baddies and yep. Grogu will get his training. And it's like, all right, cool. This is very much a Mandalorian way of life. And um, I dig that. And I, I used to play the MMORPG uh, Star Wars Galaxies. Um, so imagine World of Warcraft, but set in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Nerd. Yeah. Well, yeah, so back like, off. The reason, the reason I bring this up is because in that game, you could actually have like your own house or place or whatever. Yeah. And Din's place reminded me very much of that, where it's just like, you're just on the outskirts of a town and, you know, decorate it however you want. And, that's your little slice of heaven. Uh, oh, one other thing I forgot to mention, which I did also like, was Grogu's adoption and him being named Din Grogu. Um, that was a very touching, touching moment, moment as well. Yeah, yeah. So happy about that, um, folks. He's Din. He's Din. He's Grogu. He's Din Grogu. Stop calling him Baby Yoda, please. <laughs> That's my piece. Uh, so yeah, overall enjoyed the season. Definitely a step down from seasons one and two, um, but still, still worth my while. You'll but be there they, for four. Yes, but they absolutely should take heed and um, work to improve that. Uh, Hans, what are your thoughts on these last two episodes, and I guess the season in general? All right, so I don't want to like you know repeat anything you guys said. Uh, I I I honestly thought they were going to kill Din off, um, you know, but yeah, of course it's it's typical. Um, Disney or whatever fashion where the guy gets kidnapped and somehow gets gets out of it. Um, what I alluded to earlier is where I one of the things I said was they put a lot of money into the CGI in this in this series or this season. There's a lot of great set pieces and one of the things we talked about at Navarro. I didn't mention Navarro. Was like I thought that was phenomenal how how that whole battle looked when they were fighting um, fighting space pirates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will I will say is that at some point. Disney or whoever did Lucasfilm decided to sacrifice story in terms of in terms of big budget set pieces with fights. Um, I thought the the last episode, the fight, this some of the fights in this were were fantastic. I love the whole uh, 
the one with like R five where he's lowering the shields for Din. I thought that whole sequence was was so well executed. The fight with Moff Gideon, it looked it looked really cool. It and and with the Praetorians, it the the um, choreography was was great in those fights. It wasn't it was not bad. Like it was a cool looking episode. But I completely agree with you, Greg. Moff Gideon was completely wasted with this, and it wasn't like. Not, nothing he did like this this didn't and and we talk marvel movies all the time this didn't this was not an overall like an overall story for star wars this was just moff gideon being mad that he got taken down by mandalorians he wasn't trying to take over the galaxy i mean i guess he was with those clones that he had that were in the the hallway the jedi or whatever yeah. clones they were gonna be and he like he just showed up and he was just mad. He wanted to get revenge on Din, and that was it. This whole season revolved around a revenge plot from Gideon that only happened because of chance. Like, what if Din didn't decide to go after Bo and Bo didn't decide to take a like unite the Mandalorians? Then Moff Gideon would have been sitting on Mandalore just like with his with his twiddling his thumbs, like they they have to come one day. Like I and like what am I gonna do? And he was better off going with the, the um, the the machines from the finale in season two, the troopers, the dark troopers, dark troopers. Mm-hmm. the dark troopers. They were like owning it in in that season finale, and there was no Jedi to show up and just wipe them all out. He, that, that's what all he needed to do. Um, I liked the design of his Beskar armor. I thought that was cool, but he was he was wasted because I'm pretty sure he's dead. He's not coming back. And now, like, where are we going to go with the the Mandalorian storyline? Like, are we going to get a season four before this new movie comes out that Filoni's directing? Because I'm pretty sure it's, that's going to tie Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, um, and Ahsoka. I'm assuming Ahsoka. I don't know um, if they're all going to kind of join up in this movie that ties everything together. Um, I like how Mandalorian how got his, like, piece at the end where he's just sitting with, with Din Grogu and, and took him as, as an apprentice. It just uh, there was so much more I wanted from a season three because I thought season two was like was incredible. I thought it was better in season one, and it just didn't really follow up to what I expected. And it was just a meaningless story in Star Wars. It just a really cool looking story, but it didn't yeah. do anything. Like they mentioned Thrawn, cool, that's great. He's gonna be involved in Ahsoka, uh, but okay, like. Just like I, I just it didn't it didn't really take like when I when I stopped the episode and I stopped watching I'm like that that's it like Giddy Gideon's dead like they waited seven episodes to bring him in and 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 then they just kill him off and just because he was mad like oh good revenge plot okay good all right that's it mm. and end of story why um I didn't mind Grogu going in IG eleven I thought that was cool uh, or IG twelve. Um, I like how he came back at the end, IG-12, so hopefully we don't see that again. I agree, Greg, that it was – I well, I'm kind of a, in both of your areas. I think it was cool to see at first, and then like the no, 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 yes, yes, yes got a little bit annoying. Uh, but hopefully we don't have to deal with that anymore. So, yeah, overall it was a disappointing season coming off of season two. Uh, it felt more like a prologue to season two. 
and not really a advancing story season of Star Wars, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, when I was looking at it, I believe the first season was 2019 and then the second season was 2020. And so it's been it's been a couple of years since, um, you know, I don't I don't sometimes I mean, sometimes that happens, you know, at least in my perspective, where it's like a show's been gone for a while. And it's like, what's going on here? You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, Moff Gideon. Like, oh, is, is oh, wait, yeah, he was kidnapped. So and um the only other thing I was going to say about that is just, yeah, it did. I feel this is the weakest season for me out of the three. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's a little bit disappointing when, you know, we're probably going to get a season four or whatever. And it's like, you know, where do we go from here? You know, cause I feel like it's coming off of, and listen, I, I know I've spoken highly about Andor on here, but uh, I'm really excited for season two of that. Um, and we'll be looking forward to that, but this, you know, season four, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle bus for me. So I have a couple of quick points that I forgot to bring up. Um, number one, I mentioned, you know, all right, I get it. You need a big bad for the, the, yeah. end of the season. Why not make that Gorian shard? Like, why couldn't yeah. that episode have been the finale? Because it's a giant all out attack on Navarro, you know, and it, it would tie things up with, okay, you save the day Mandalorians. Here's your plot of land. Boom. You know, we're good. And, you know, hint at, Gideon being in the works for four or whatever it just I don't know it, it makes more sense the other thing is the stuff with the clones um number one in that that scene where uh um Gideon was having uh, a meeting with the other yeah. um imperial remnants he he said one of them was like oh you know we're working on our clones and and Gideon's like yeah you work on your clone like basically intimating that that's not his bag he's gonna focus on his stuff but no i don't mess with those clones like that's that's your thing right so interesting to see literally like the next episode oh i've got vats full of them and and yeah that is my bag after all uh the other thing with the clones too is every other force sensitive clone that we've seen thus far has been from a person who was originally force sensitive. Gideon here says that he was able to perfect cloning himself, but making the clones force sensitive. Mm. So my question then is number one, how does that happen? Are you able to, you're able to like genetically engineer midi chlorians? Like don't just toss that out there because that's a pretty big thing. Um, Number two if that's the case, why isn't every non force sensitive person making force sensitive clones yeah. of themselves? You know, like why aren't we just inundated with billions of force users? Because if you have the opportunity to do that, why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So it's, yeah. it's a very weird concept that they introduced and they just threw it in there almost as a, it was a throwaway. And it's like, well, that, that opens up a whole bunch of worms, <laughs> cans yeah. of worms. So I don't know. I hear you. All right. I anybody have any any final thoughts or anything else to touch on? I, I was going to say, I, I know Hanratty is uh, thrilled um, with the end credit scene um, in the last episode with uh, Cara Dune returning. So I know that's right <laughs> up your alley. Hans, Gross. So, Gross. Um, <laughs> I know you're I, I, to, uh, I, on that note, Cara Dune's <clears throat> adventures. On that note, I honestly thought 
there would be like I thought the character for and uh, please correct me. What was the the girl's name for that the bad uh, Gina Carano? No, no, not her. She, she's a bad oh, person, but not Kane. Um, Kane. I I honestly thought her role was going to be written for Cara Dune, um, and I feel like. Like I feel like her. I'm sorry. Her character was supposed to be Cara Dune because they even did reference Cara Dune in the first episode. Because I think uh, Mando asks, um, asks uh, Grieve. He says something like, "Oh, what happened to Dune?" And he said, "Oh, she's like an officer or something, or does something like whatever." So I don't know. But they like gave her a verbal thing, and and we're done with her. We but do, I feel uh... like originally before they did start it like they dropped her i feel like that that character was gonna go to or like that character story was gonna go to Kyra dude way to take my joke and uh make it a serious thing (laughs) no i know i know i i I meant that i meant to mention that because i thought about that as the season was ending i i was not that wasn't like a like i i i get the joke it was funny haha but i i legit thought that that was a thought that i had that i didn't put on my notes pity laughs Sorry. I don't think that that was ever meant to be Cara Dune or, or Cara Dune have that story arc because of the way her character was. She was very staunchly um, uh, Republic, but um, I guess. But, but you know how things happen. Well, they yeah, just true. do. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the line about Cara Dune was just like a throwaway, like, hey, instead of just never referencing her again, let's just toss something in there. Like, so. People know she's out there, but we're not going to see her. Right. Uh, yeah. I do. I do. Like, I liked the character. Um, you know, Gina Carano is not a good person, but just instead of wasting that, recast the character, man. Like, what's the big deal? I don't I don't get it. Like, just recast. I know. Michelle Rodriguez I, in there. Who cares? Yeah. She wasn't in yeah, Star Wars yet, I don't think. No, I don't think so. So I don't know. Yeah. Like don't throw away a perfectly good character just because the, the person that plays them who is no longer, you know, an, an employee um, decided to go crazy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's Mando talk folks. S <laughs> three in the books. Um, hands, anything for the peeps? Nah, thanks for listening. Sorry we had a delay because of myself, and I'm sorry I coughed halfway through this episode, so if I, if I cause any kind of Jeez. grief or, or damage while you're driving, um, I apologize. My insurance will not cover that, so uh, you're on your own. <laughs> Fair <Love> enough. <laughs> um, Harry, anything for the peeps? Yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, I hope uh, you enjoyed Mando Season 3 more than we did. Um, and really looking forward to our next topic, um, jumping back into the the Marvel bandwagon. So, um, you know, we'll see how this one goes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm with you. Looking forward to the next topic. We'll see you guys next time. Until then, as always, make sure you live spicy. Spicy.